Welcome to Hacking Hypermobility Podcast. I'm Luna. And I'm Shelly. And we're two bendy mamas. Hacking hypermobility. I'll do this for you so you see the... Thank you. Okay, but it's on me, so I got to do my hand. All right. Okay. Welcome back to the podcast. It okay. has been a whirlwind first season and year. 2022 i think that's the year right i don't know what year it is since 2020 Um, yeah i don't the before times have me confused before times um yeah so i was thinking since we have reached the end of 2022 Mm -hmm. um, it would be a great time to do a review of the year in zebra news um what do you think about also doing this episode unmasked and not editing out all the little things wait are you asking if i want to make my job easier and not have Uh, to edit as much yes that is exactly what i'm proposing i thought i love that but also that's kind of scary because sometimes we go off the rails and record for like four hours okay well we're so this is no warning. Um, well, we're we're gonna warn our audience that this okay. this episode comes with <laughs> a quote trigger warning. Ha ha! Not funny. That was not funny. That's I'm not editing. We, that we out. may we may go down some squirrely paths. Yeah. That we won't edit out. We we may stumble and stim and be stupid. Hmm. I like that. And we can put that out and then one day I can we can just pull the highlights out. Yeah. yeah. But for now we'll just do it. And it's kind of I think it's important to have us unmasked. Yeah. That's a good idea. Like, I know I was like, uh, but Yeah. Yeah. Like me right now, so, like I'm petting this pillow. <laughs> yeah, we're petting pillows, we're playing with, you know, I forget what this is called. I, this is my anyhow. Toys, yeah. our, our, yeah. our adult toys. Um, this is thinking putty. Not those adult toys, though. Yeah. Not oh, those. no, not those kind of adult toys. Yeah, no. we got... um, that's a different kind of That's podcast. not this podcast. That's not. Um, so, yeah, um, let's, anyhow, um, let's do it, I guess. You know, as you said, um, here's the warning. Um, if you don't want to listen to two late diagnosed autistic ladies talk about the Eller Stanlos news of 2022 and who knows what the hell else it yeah, might be we time are to not the podcast chats okay like um we are we are going to fully engage that we are representing women in media we are disabled female podcasters um yeah that are a little neurospicy so well let's get this 22 recap episode started then um a landmark year for research in the Ehlers-Danlos syndromes in particular. Um, a really important milestone that everybody's been talking about and has been anticipating came from uh, the Medical University of South Carolina, USC, where the first gene for hypermobile Ehlers-Danlos or HEDS um, was discovered by a PhD candidate at the time. She is now Dr. Courtney Gensimer, PhD. Um, Shelly, have you seen the plaque that they put up at Norris Lab? 
Um, no. I no, do have okay. it to show. Is if I scroll on this, will I see it? Let me scroll. Yeah, you will see it. I'm gonna have us shared on the screen. Okay. Um, and so Norris Lab, where the heads gene was discovered and where humongous EDS research and cardiovascular research happens um, at, at USC. Um, installed this plaque this year when Dr. Gensimer, um, Courtney, discovered the head gene, and it should be published soon. Um, it's titled The Evolution of the Ehlers-Danlos Syndromes. There's a zebra on it, and it is like a timeline, which is interesting because we're going to do a timeline of the year, but this is a timeline since like the beginning of EDS. the recorded medical history of zebras. 400 BC, Hippocrates, that famous doctor, um, first description of bruising, bleeding, and joint laxity. 400 BC, right? Um, 1901 AD, we've jumped forward in a little, a little bit of time. I'm just going to skip Doc ahead just a few years. Yeah, just a smidge. Dr. Edvard Ehlers identifies a distinct disease. 1908, just seven years later, Dr. Henri Alexander Donlos um, identifies the skin extensibility and fragility. Then 1936, Dr. Frederick Parks Weber named this collection of disorders that they had been investigating for the past 30 years, the Ehlers-Danlos Syndromes. What did, do we know what they called it between those times? Um, I think they were just referring to things like um, skin fragility, joint laxity, that sort of thing. Okay. Just Unident an unidentified disease with these features. Gotcha. Uh, and then it was named by 1936 by Dr. Weber. Um, and then by 1988, after several years of research, Dr. Peter Byton, who we have discussed before their research, yep. um, episode four, finalized the Byton scoring criteria. Okay. And 2022 AD, Dr. Courtney Gensimer made the first genetic discovery for hypermobile Ehlers-Danlos syndrome. Congratulations, Courtney. Right. Yeah. So I'll link it in our share note on our show notes. Um, for those of you that watched the episodes on the YouTube, it'll be on the screen too. Yeah. Um, I do have a little bit of a friendship with Courtney. Um, Dr. Gensimer is a patient scientist and we're mm -hmm. going to mention some more patient scientists in this episode because they are heavily involved in um, the things that are happening this year. So when I asked, uh, when I talked to Courtney in December, she had um, had some health problems of her own and a um, another study had come out that everybody was talking about with the folate deficiency hypermobility. Mm -hmm. We are kind of laughing at that. Yeah. Um, and I was checking up on how she was recovering after her health issues. And I was like, so any updates on another genetic study that might have some more interesting results and a larger data set with better evidence? <laughs> and she was like, I know what you're talking about. <laughs> and she said they submitted the paper for review and they're still waiting, of course. Okay. Um, yeah. This is That's a really large set of data um, and, and continues to grow and the research will continue to grow. Yeah. So um, given the, you know, um, 
importance of this genetic discovery, it, it won't be just like one anonymous peer review um, type of review. It, it, I'm sure it's going through a little bit more rigorous um, medical review prior to publication. But I would say that that's going to probably be published fairly soon, at least by the spring, I would hope, unless there's issues. Oh, happy um, birthday to us. Maybe a March yeah, right? surprise. Yeah. That's what I'm hoping. Um, but it, that is the update. It's still under review, but it's been submitted. Um, so Dr. Gensmer's work at the Norse Lab, which we mentioned at USC, is under the oversight of Dr. Uh, Russell Chip Norris, also a PhD, whose study was mainly in like cardiovascular research with connective tissue stuff and that sort of thing. Um, and he's greatly supported this shift into the EDS my neighbor's kid is crying right outside of her door. Like that. See, this is one of those things. I guess I'm not going to talk. Oh, I can her. totally hear that. Like literally right outside, like right there. Okay, but if I do my part, it won't. You won't hear it on the audio. So, medical yeah. research has been looking into other things besides the hot topic of finding the heads gene, right? Like that's been heads gene, heads gene, heads gene. But there's other research going on. So, other research has been going on has been looking into correlating either through statistical analysis or clinical lab analysis um, the comorbidities right including s and f which i actually don't know what that stands for small fiber neuropathy oh so sfn okay it's in the thing <laughs> that's yeah i put it in the wrong so i'm like i haven't heard of that one okay so small fiber neuropathy. There's a um, little dyslexia for you, folks. MCAS, which is the mast cell activation syndrome or um, disorder. I've seen MCAS, MCAD. Yeah. And um, the autoimmune disease disorder, um, cornucopia, you name yeah, it, cornucopia. it's probably there. Um, the understanding, right? The understanding of the genetics of the connective tissue disorders is has expanded, and with several very interesting case studies. Most importantly, researchers have been trying to get a better understanding how to support their hypermobile patients by looking into the improvements of the diagnostic process criteria, like we've discussed here, and the genetic counseling and management and treatment. Um, and I would think that's excellent. I, I check yes. It's all about that. time. Yeah. Yeah. Because honestly, um, we talked about it here. I, when I got my diagnosis from Johns Hopkins, they're like, here's these 17 pages of information. Bye. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> so like, a lot okay. of people are like, that's why they say, well, why even bother with the diagnosis? Because yeah. what's it going to do? But well, there's strength in numbers is my answer to that. Yeah. Um, so obviously the zebra herd or the dazzle, those of us with these rare connective tissue disorders um, related to hypermobility, um, until recently, a lot of the common conditions associated with our hypermobility have just been made through like anecdotal connections. Um, doctors have seen like various other traits or issues in patients and connected yeah. them to hypermobility or theorize that, hey, this might be based on this, um, or patients talking, because that's where we get a lot of our information, our patient forums, um, because we don't have 
access to good resources. So we find each other, right? A lot yeah, of us have much. just anecdotally or in conversation notice these correlations or, or common conditions known as comorbidities. Um, but they've not been medically researched or studied or like officially connected, right? So this year, a lot of connections have been made. Um, and I hope that um, the research will continue to be propelled based on the information that they're discovering. Um, this year, some investigations included fragile X syndrome. Oh. I thought I muted the Alexa that she just said in reminder. Oh. Um, Alexa, dismiss. Um, fibromyalgia. Oh. Depression, anxiety autism and autoimmune disorders as we said right so starting in january of 2022 the research on autoimmune dysfunction in hypermobile humans showed evidence of abnormal activation of mast cells and an antibody deficiencies we will link that study in the notes in february of 2022 a formal research analysis published in the journal of public library of science or plos do people say PLOS? I think no. so. I've heard it reference. Really? Yeah. Interesting. Was conducted at the School of Medicine um, at St. George's University of London, and they examined the link between fibromyalgia and the myofascial pain and the Ehlers-Danlos syndromes. Which is interesting because mm -hmm. the community has long discussed how many of us are either diagnosed with first or misdiagnosed or is it a misdiagnosis with fibromyalgia and then we go down the eds rabbit hole which came first the chicken or the, or the egg? neurologist says, a distinct chicken or the egg who knows the neurologist that said to me that first neurologist i don't see him anymore i was like well because of your fibromyalgia and i was like when did i get I that love. when did i get that <laughs> to me. also in february of 2022 Dr. Leonardo Zocante of Italy, and if I pronounce that improperly, my apologies. I think that was correct. Um, published the connectivome theory, stating that bodily health cannot be separated from neuropsychiatric health um, in the autism spectrum disorder, placing the connective tissue within equal consideration, not only for diagnosis, but for clinical management. So that's going to be interesting. Yeah. So I think that was probably one of the most important papers published this year. If you follow me on TikTok, you already know my obsession with the connective bone theory, the extracellular matrix, and the comorbidities of connective tissue disorders with neurodevelopmental disorders. Um, but other people are studying this too, which I find so interesting. But Dr. Zaconte's team is in neuropsychiatric peds and you know they would another important part of that study was they said hey this model should be used for clinical approaches and can Ooh. be applied to other neurodevelopmental disorders this is not really just an autism thing um so i find that really promising and interesting that research is looking at it with this perspective it may take a while for that to filter down yeah um but so some other places are you know stuttering studying stuttering <laughs> EDS also. Um, another place where it's being studied um, is at Ghent University in Belgium. In April 22, they identified a significant impact of hypermobile Ehlers-Danlos syndromes and hypermobile spectrum disorder on interpersonal interactions, 
and relationships. And if you know me, you also know I started the hashtag, go check it out and contribute to the conversation on the talk, hashtag Ehlers-Danlos relationships and Ehlers-Danlos specific, you know, interpersonal issues obviously have that overlap with neurodivergence. Um, So I'd like to talk about that because it, in conversation, anecdotally, I've discovered that's one of the biggest problems that a lot of us have is balancing our interpersonal issues, work, personal relationships, family relationships, and it has a a big impact. And that study validated that. And also, I love that they studied that. Yeah. Um, And then I'm going to do the next reference here. It's like our egos are writing checks. Our body can't cash. Oh, my God. Yeah, true. Um, and then I can't watch that movie anymore. Anyway, carry on. See, we're stop the squirrels because we're we're not editing. That's why I say carry on. Carry on, my wayward son. August 2022. A study titled Um Connected Tissue Disorders and Fragile X Molecular Status in Females um presented a case series and a review and expanded on some previous research um, that also recently identified that the fragile x syndromes related to um, some pre-mutations and repeat expansion in the genome or carrier status of fragile x syndrome in females has been reported in individuals in hypermobility related disorders or symptoms Um, so symptomatically hypermobile humans that are females have some sort of overlap with being carriers or have um, a premutation on the fragile X gene. Um, That's interesting. Yeah. So the fragile X syndrome, if you're not aware, is the most common inherited cause of intellectual disabilities. Um, So this case series was actually completed at the University of Kansas Medical Center Genetics Clinic, and they confirmed a significant overlap in two conditions. In 39 of the 100 cohorts, they had 100 unrelated female patients. Um, And the connective tissue disorders and fragile X molecular status was found to overlap in 39 of these patients. So 40% of their hypermobile women had a fragile X connection. That is pretty Uh, significant. Yes. So a conclusion in their publication is one I see as one of the most important points in research currently. Quote, many genes and their encoded proteins are important for the development of features seen in connective tissue disorders and will require further characterization with secondary gene effects potentially playing a role. And quote, like I've always said, this is a spectrum. It's not just one gene and they play off each other. Right. Also in August of 22, there was a preliminary study from Milan, Italy, on hypermobile spectrum disorder symptoms in patients with functional neurological disorders and autism spectrum disorders. So that study compared the prevalence of HEDs and HSD-related symptoms in a group of patients with functional neurological disorders, FNDs, of people who are on the autism spectrum disorder but without the intellectual disabilities. And 
a non-clinical comparison group. So, so let me interrupt. all of those groups. Yes. So they compared three different groups of people. Did I get that right? Right. Okay. Right. So also let me interrupt. We yeah, go meet for it. the profile of some of that. Me and Shelly and I. Oh, 100%. We're that third group, right? Yeah. So we have the functional neurologic disorders with autism and hypermobility yeah. disorders. So that research examined the overlapping traits and potential relationships and causes. And that actually goes back to what I read Connectable. earlier. Yeah. How everything yeah. is. Which yeah. is also out of Italy, but Verona. Yeah. Man. Um, so, yeah. So individuals present with these symptoms in higher numbers than the general population, which is not surprising to mm-hmm. me. Right. So oh, we also, now they've established yeah. another overlap with functional neurologic disorder, okay, autism, and hypermobility. I mean, if you've got an issue with the connective tissue, as you said, it runs the gamut. It's in right. everything. And so exactly. What we were saying, these, these were things that the zebra community was saying, like, hey, this is how it's all connected. That was not validated yet. And now they're validating and trying to understand the, the science, the whys, the biochemistry, the genetics of it all. Right. And so um, prepare yourselves because I think as this information comes out, I, I think you're going to find more and more people identifying or realize, like coming to some realizations about things. Yes. Um, yeah, I don't think everybody's yeah, ready. People aren't ready. I don't think pe- people we, are not ready. You know what? We're not ready, but go ahead. Keep taxing the medical system, demand the care, demand the evaluations, demand the yeah. support. Uh, anyhow, so yeah. speaking of why it's so important, is this next study from December 2022? Okay. Out of the UK. Okay. So this particular study was looking at, um, pediatrics and one of the most difficult comorbidities in um, hypermobile adolescents. So the research done at the Department of Neuroscience Brighton and Sussex Medical School in the UK followed a very large number, over 14,000 teens with generalized joint hypermobility diagnoses. Okay at the age of 14 and then they evaluated their psychiatric symptoms again at the age of 18. so these are generalized hypermobile syndrome patients gjh was their diagnostic coding okay these aren't even heads patients the results showed across genders the diagnosis of jhs joint hypermobility syndrome at the age of 18 years, so it has pro- progressed, right, um, into like symptomatic full diagnoses, um, not necessarily heads, with associated um, diagnosis of depressive disorder, anxiety disorder, and other degrees of psychiatric symptomology. Yeah. Their conclusion was, quote, variant collagen indexed by joint hypermobility. Meaning, let me explain, genetically different 
collagen structures being measured by progressing or abnormal joint hypermobility is linked to the emergence of depression and anxiety in adolescence. A childhood for hypermobile humans, as they grow, is very likely to develop into difficult mental health issues with depression and anxiety. In effect, mediated by autonomic factors. Autonomic mean the autonomic nervous system. When it dysfunctions, it becomes things like dysautonomia, like a static intolerance and POTS. And it's mediated by autonomic factors in males. So by the time we are reaching the end of adolescence, males and females are diverging based on regulation of the autonomic nervous system. Recognition of this association may motivate further evaluation, screening, and interventions to mitigate development of psychiatric disorders and improve health outcomes. Bam! This is one of the most significant ways to improve quality of life for all hypermobile humans, but particularly, it seems, for um, females with autonomic dysfunction. It is almost guaranteed they will, and we know this, we've seen it in our families, in our children, depression and anxiety. Yeah. Um, so how are we improving their quality of life? Um, how are we going to get ahead of this? And it seems very much so that it's tied into whatever is the difference in the sexes and dysautonomia. Um, so some so hormonal, like... Probably. It seems like there's some sort of hormone mod modulation and... Um, autonomic nervous system effect right um, but also we can't not consider what are the cultural differences too um so the pain news network uh, um did an article i'll link to it on this study on this research and said quote this study has highlighted the need for more targeted and bespoke sp support for hypermobile teenagers particularly girls says Leah Milligan, the CEO of the UK-based advocacy organization, MK Mental Health Research. So the mental health research component and um, treatment outside of just pharmaceuticals for us is, is lacking and really, really needed. So I'm personally really thankful because yeah that's my biggest motivation right is is the legacy i'm leading leaving for my kids so they have um, more proactive tools about a quality of life and and for others yeah just because we struggle doesn't mean we want other people to right i don't understand and, that mindset oh yeah, i did it so you have to suffer too no i don't that's i don't that's not how and not to make make this personal because this is about the timeline but right to just kind of apply this to say like if you don't know my story um i will will do an interview with both of us we talk about our experience with neurodivergence but as a as a young person i was followed that very classic clinical path was diagnosed with depression and anxiety yeah. and for years most of my adult life no medication ever worked and i was diagnosed with dysautonomia autism and the ehlers-danlos syndrome as a middle-aged adult 
Um, and now I am trying to manage those very same things in my preteen child. So this is very important to Shelly and I. Yes. We're, we're, after all, two bendy mamas. We are two bendy mamas. So that was all of the connections that were made. So there were also some information and studies out in treatment and management of our conditions, which if, like we mentioned earlier, you're like, oh, there's no cure. Why should I get it diagnosed? Well, it doesn't mean you shouldn't get information and make your life better. So in April of 2022, a study out of Belgium explored pain mechanisms in hypermobile Ehlers-Danlos syndrome. And their research showed an imbalance that imbalanced sensory signals may be involved in the chronic pain associated with heads. And that does not surprise me one bit. Sensory signals, you say? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. And then, so that was April of 2022. In June of 2022, the Journal of Pain Research published a medical review from the Center for Physician Assistant Studies out of the Albany Medical College. And that was called a multidisciplinary approach to treating chronic pain in patients with EDS. And the review was of current medical literature for pain management in EDS discovered that they had, that there was weak evidence, 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 leaving this in, blah, blah, blah. Okay. Discovered that there is weak evidence to support the components of the conservative multidisciplinary approach that is typical, including physiotherapy, occupational therapy, cognitive behavioral therapy, uh, pharmacologic interventions to decrease pain. So those are the things. The review identified that they need to identify. (laughs) Hi, we identified that we need to identify, sorry, uh, and evaluate additional modes of treatment for our pain. So it reached the conclusion that, quote, There is weak evidence to support current practices, but little to no evidence at this point in time to suggest alternative pain control methods, thus demonstrating the need for further research. So basically, we haven't studied this, so we should study it. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Um, So there's lots of things we haven't studied. Another really big one for hypermobile humans um, that's really neglected is all of the female concerns. So in July 2022, Heads Together, which is a UK organization, um, and Dr. Sally Pizarro, along with experts including obstetricians, midwives, geneticists, and physical therapists, convened to research and identify the evidence for the best practice and guidance in pregnancy, childbirth, postnatal care, in both EDS and HSD. And this was funded by the Ehlers-Danlos Society. Um, there is now, after this work group convened, a maternity tool for patients with a list of, hey, here are the things that EDS patients and hypermobile patients commonly experience in pregnancy and childbirth. And important things you need to know about me and my symptoms and my diagnoses that you hand to your um, your provider, your OB or your midwife. Um, There's a provider learning module for um, people treating, um, you know, zebras. And and even an EDS HSD infomercial pertinent to these issues. So if you're planning a pregnancy or you maybe are pregnant, um, go to the Heads Together website and you can download and use the tool with your OB or midwife. That is awesome. 
Yes. And I promise in season two that we will discuss these things. I think it's um, something that a lot of zebras have asked me about. Like, can you tell me your experience with pregnancy, giving birth, that sort of thing? Um, and there's a great variety of answers to that. Not a ton of research, but now there is some. So I think season two would be yeah. a great opportunity for us to kind of um, talk about what the two bendy mamas have found or experienced anecdotally and, and you know, kind of delve into that research. Um, and then in August, there was really big news uh, that came out that um, is pertinent mainly to those of us in the United States, but yeah. hopefully will um, you know spread throughout other countries. The U.S. Academy of Sciences published the Selected Heritable Disorders of Connective Tissue and Disability, um, giving hope to the Ehlers-Danlos syndromes being considered for federal disability. Um, and we actually had great fun dissecting that, didn't we, Shelley? Yes. So that came out and we launched Hacking Hypermobility that same month. And our first episode, we discussed that and included like an in-depth discussion of the report. Um, and so we'll link that in our blog post on all of these resources. We'll link you back to that first episode if you missed it and also to the report itself. It's, is it still a draft? It no, the, it's, um, it's finalized now? No, it's, we, it, well, no, it's, um, oh, it's, it's not a prelim. draft. It's prelim, it's, sorry. It's a right? preliminary review to like use for, I mean, it's an official report. Yeah. Okay, so it's not, not okay. Um, Never mind. Yep. That doesn't matter. But we're going to still talk about it. Oh, we're going to pause for a minute because there's food. I heard a bing. You know, yes. get some snacks. Yeah, snacks. Okay. Do you want to stop recording so you can just piece it together? Um, Where were we? We were uh, just talking about how we launched our episode. And I, then I was going to talk about um, the breakthrough in managing tinnitus. Okay. Huh. Okay, let me get to that. Okay. Do you here? I'll put up a hand or something, and then you can. Yeah, we're good. Okay, everybody, right. start recording again. Okay. All right. So, also in August of 2022, there was a breakthrough in um, managing tinnitus, and it's pronounced tinnitus. We think, pretty sure, um, and it involves using a white noise white noise mobile app, um, and it's out of Auckland, which is New Zealand. Yes, pretty cool. I love white. Actually, I'm onto brown noise now. Me, I like I, I like all of those things, and I yeah, use that I, regularly. Yeah, I, and also mm, white noise, brown noise. You can tell our friend the Alexa. Yeah, to do those things. And I do. She, mine can't hear you because of this. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's I didn't have to whisper. We yeah. frequently have this problem where we talk to Alexa and we're on we're recording, and then the, the other, other Alexa gets confused. Um, but anyhow, I was going to squirrel there, but I'm not going to squirrel. So no squirreling, stopping squirreling. Yep. Um, the noise. Why was I talking about? Oh, so you could you could tell tell our your favorite streaming talking robot to play those things 
But my favorite hack for migraines is to put on, and I don't have one next to me, I sleep with it a lot too, the um, eye mask that has these soft little pillows around your eyes and then the speakers. And we both have one. I think we have the same one. Um, I've seen Shelly have hers and mm-hmm. I sleep with it with the, with the, the noise um, or a guided meditation. But also when I have a really bad migraine, there is a specific migraine bilateral music that helps. Oh, I've heard of that. Um, I don't know and the name of this. So this was an important squirrel. I realized I squirreled because we were talking about tinnitus, tinnitus, yeah. pretty sure it's tinnitus, whatever. And then it reminded, like you talking about the white noise and the brown noise, I think that's one of the biggest hypermobility hacks that we have. And I don't know that everybody knows about that because a lot of us struggle with that and migraines. Um, uh-huh. Yeah. So. So I want to tell you guys also Kate, about if you have an iPhone, there's a built-in white noise machine in your phone. And I'm oh. you, you get to it through accessibility. So you go to settings. Um, so yeah, it's settings, accessibility. I can't remember what it's under. Is it it's not under anyway? It's in there somewhere. I was gonna say I'm gonna edit it and put it in, but that's not true because I'm not editing. We're not editing. So oh, put it in the Okay, so then then go. So it's settings accessibility and then go to audio visual then you choose background sounds you turn that on and then it gives you an option like i have rain as an option here there's a whole different sounds and you can adjust the media and everything so there's balanced noise bright noise dark noise rain stream ocean um and i actually learned that from my husband who learned it from TikTok? So, <laughs> and we're back to the TikTok. Anyway, so that we squirreled there. So, okay, so back to the timeline. Yes. Okay. So, we are talking about treatment and management of hypermobility. In August 22, a study from California State University in Sacramento interviewed patients with an EDS diagnosis that also had a pain syndrome and that also participated in an online support group the resulting publication wins my unofficial award for the very best medical article title of 2022 are you wait ready for it uh yeah i fiber editing i'd put a drum roll it is quote the internet knows more than my physician qualitative interview study of people with rare diseases and how they use online support groups (laughs) i am a little bit disappointed that tiktok was not specifically mentioned given how uncanny its algorithm has been in informing undiagnosed people um but anyhow the the study says quote participants main sources of information were web-based searches, <clears throat> Google, mm-hmm. um, academic journals. We're nerds, so we're going to go to the source. Hell yeah! The Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome Society webpage mm-hmm. and online peer support groups on 
Facebook. Yep. Reddit. Ew. Twitter. Meh. And Twitter. Instagram. Ugh. Oh, all of those are trash. So sorry. I mean, they're uh, not trash. Sponsor us for there's yeah. So the elder millennial Gen X is coming out. We are both get off my lawn types of social media users. Anyhow, um, <laughs> the, the study is important, though, uh, as funny as it is to us and as funny um, as it is, it is even kind of mocked in other areas. Yeah. Um, the conclusion is really important. Uh, this study highlights the information gap between healthcare providers who we should be getting our resources and right. support from and patients with genetic disorders. Patients with Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome seek access to information from different web-based sources. And to meet the needs of patients with genetic disorders, future innovation interventions via web-based resources for improving the quality of care must be considered by healthcare professionals and government agencies. Wow. In October of 2022, the HealthGot Research Institute at the National University of Natural Medicine in Portland, Oregon, surveyed the patient experience of chronic illness care and complementary integrative health use. It was a cross-sectional study of patients with hypermobility spectrum disorders and Ehlers-Danlos syndromes. That is a long title, but their conclusion was, quote, the use of various complementary and integrative health treatments, as well as specialized diets, is common in this population and might be beneficial for symptom management. Healthcare delivery for HSD and EDS may require a multidisciplinary, that word again, multidisciplinary healthcare team, as complementary and self-care modalities are typically used in addition to physical therapy, pain medication, and other conventional care. So this is really interesting of course yeah and so what they're talking about complementary medicine these are things that are non-western types of medicine um and i am very fortunate i get to try an integrative um, health clinic at a major um medical facility that uh, many of the area hypermobile humans are using and um we get to start that in about a month we did have to wait until my daughter turned 12 to participate but i do find it encouraging that larger medical institutions are now embracing um non-traditional western medicine approaches um, and studying it um because a lot of this is indigenous knowledge uh, knowledge outside of traditional western medicine that has been you know, utilized successfully for generations. Um, but I, I do also like, you know, I'm, I'm careful that it's, that I examine the modality and see, you know, is it watered down? What is, what is the origin? What, what is the training right. practice? That sort of thing. So that's one of my particular special interests. I really like the study um, and that, it, you know, the, the field of these researchers in, in the hypermobility arena is noticing that hey we're taking our business to other places out of a desperation yeah and and b also well maybe there's a reason maybe some of these things are are working so 
um, one of the one of the things they studied this year actually was uh, mindfulness meditation. So in November, a pilot study out of Liverpool in the UK looked at online delivered mindfulness meditation in the Ehlers-Danlos syndrome specifically heads. And it was a positive study. So they looked at the effect of quality of life and participant lived experience. Okay. Their conclusion was, quote, online delivered mindfulness meditation was clinically significant in reducing pain intensity and improving quality of life outcomes, end quote. So, by the way, this isn't just like, I'm going to sit here and, and meditate. Shelly and I have talked about this. Like, we need yeah. some sort of guideline. And the point really is to put you back in your body. Right. Feel the things, but also regulate those sensory differences the perceptions, the pain disproportions, and start to, what they say, quote, feel safe in your body, despite, you know, the unsafe feeling that we may get from the sensory differences, from the proprioception differences, from the frequent subluxations, dislocations, our, our bodies tense, our muscles tense, um, and we start to feel unsafe and then it starts to create physical sensations that present as anxiety and long-term tension like that actually is what they're finding contributory to the autonomic dysfunction um, and so it's like is it the chicken or the egg right like people will say like if you've heard the book the body keeps the score um you know there's trauma stored in the body well where are those where, where is that study where is trauma uh, um, saved in the body. Do you know the answer? I believe I've heard the it. Connective tissues. Yeah. The, the muscle tension, the connective tissue, those sensory connections between your muscles, your connective tissues, and your nervous system. So for us, our literal trauma is existence. Then throw on if you maybe have had additional traumas, which many of us had because many neurodivergent humans experience trauma for other reasons right. um anyhow so i started that hashtag to have this conversation the traumatized zebra and that's one of the things we frequently leave out of this conversation but so how do we as frequently neurodivergent humans approach mindfulness that's such an abstract concept yeah so i will say like i was there with you okay all of you that are rolling your eyes right now that is actually what helped me start to regulate some things. Hold on so, one minute. The door. Yeah. Yes, husband. Oh, you did get regular. Did he bring us stuff? I mean, you know, I love you, but damn. Oh, you're going to get the good loving tonight. Oh, was it toys? Um, free toes. It was salt. He brought her Fritos. And if you don't know, life hacks for those of us with autonomic dysfunction we need a little extra salt yeah yeah we like pickles um this week we tried making pickle pops frozen pickle juice i How cannot recommend that enough okay delicioso think about that oh yeah. let me oh shit a flub are, are we gonna edit that we're not gonna edit that um, she's going to crunch on some Fritos and I'll keep talking. 
Um, so it's at your bit for a minute, right? Yeah, it's my bit for a minute. Chomp, mute, mute yourself, and I'll. I'm gonna mute myself, and I'm yeah, and um, yeah. yeah, muting, muting. So we need salty snacks to survive. Um, it helps. So that's one of those things. Like, if you're not in your body, you can't sense these things that are gonna cause some dysregulation, like the metabolic problems we have with salt. Um, if you're not in your body, you're not gonna notice certain pain or the pain's going to be distorted either too high too low um that's hyposensitivity or hypersensitivity we experience both and it's a weird conundrum that we experience both but like if you don't sense pain appropriately in your body you're missing those warning signs or you're just living in a constant warning sign that's why these complementary practices that are indigenous knowledge non-western medicine knowledge are vital um, so there was another uh, study on complementary medicine at the end of the year in December as well um, that was conducted at the Indiana University School of Medicine. And quote, the results show participants described massage therapy, medical cannabis, and mindfulness as the three most useful CAM modalities and CAM being complementary medicine. Uh, complementary or alternative medicine for managing symptoms related to heads. Mm. But they expressed a general interest in pursuing any treatment, weird emphasis, mine, that could potentially reduce their chronic pain. They suggested an overall trust in complementary and alternative medicine modalities of practitioners and ascribed greater empathy to CAM practitioners than to conventional medical providers. However, they also described a critical skepticism of CAM and conventional therapies and recounted instances of injury from such treatments. So this just goes and ties right back into that other pain study that said, well, here's all the things we tell hypermobile humans to deal with their pain, but none have really been studied in hypermobile humans yeah. in terms of how effective they are or how practical they are. Um, and so this study then basically then took that question the next step and said, okay, well, what have these people found on their own? What is helping? And so the three things in this large, larger investigative study on complementary medicine, so the three alternative types of therapy or therapeutic approaches or alternative approaches that HEADS patients use, the top three, are massage therapy, medical cannabis, and mindfulness. But hey, you know, like we'd also like to explore some other options here. Like, can can we can we can we please address this pain issue? Yeah. Is I mean, I do all discovered. three of yeah. And I engage in all three of those activities regularly. Mm -hmm. And I still have pain. It's well, better. It's so better. I gotta I, I gotta say, right? Like, so that's we've we've both once we kind of started dealing with our issues and realizing, oh, wait, we have to deal with those, we start yeah. trying things. Both Shelly and I have done that. And I would say, like, I don't want to speak for you, but in our conversations, just in our personal lives and stuff, like, I think both of us have kind of addressed some of our health issues in some positive ways and have some encouraging things. But it's still disheartening to think about life in the context of like, hey, we deal with chronic pain. We never know what life's going to bring. 
we have yeah. this severe level of fatigue and we feel like and i'm not gonna say we i'm gonna say i feel like sometimes i only have so much energy to just like live my life and do the basics like i feel like i'm shortchanging my family myself someone is losing out yeah um every day i ration spoons i ration money i ration you know the energy and the care and the love which i have so much of to give the people i care about and that's yeah. that's not a quality of life imagine so, masking your neurodivergence on top of that yeah yeah um so the patient experience is yeah you know what this really is all about i'm glad we're doing this retrospective i didn't expect to get emotional so i'm sorry No, but that's good so the patient experience we just talked about, so the medical co community has started as you just mentioned realizing they need to form stronger alliances with the patient community especially us hypermobile humans so now they're asking patients and caregivers about their journey to diagnosis and investigating how to improve their healthcare experiences in September of 2022, there was a survey from researchers at Children's Mercy in Kansas City, and they inquired about the support to patients and caregivers. I'm sorry, the support to patients and caregivers, and found that there's a widespread lack of support, poor interdisciplinary integration, and a heavy burden on patients when it comes to getting care for these patients. The dismal result of the study showed that most EDS families feel their care needs are unmet. And the solution identified as a framework for a multi, there's the word again, multidisciplinary clinic model. So, you know, you, you guys, there's a trend here, right? Connection, multidisciplinary, right? So that's what they said, the framework for a multidisciplinary clinic model that is endorsed by those with EDS. That is endorsed by those with EDS. So this study, it's in pediatrics. It involves the patients, their caregivers, and said, hey, look, we need to listen to them. And for years, you know, I, we, the community has been talking about, like, this is a, um, an issue that affects all of my tissues. And right. it's so frustrating to be like my own care coordinator and not have a doctor that puts the pieces together and go from one to another and not really get answers or solutions or help. And like, we're fatigued by the, all the appointments. We're fatigued with the cost. We're fatigued with. It is. That's why one of our. Yeah. That's why one of our hacks was find a medical system that uses an app that t they all use. So all the information's there. That's yeah. a hot tip because yeah. there because is they do no not, western medicine does not take a multiple multidisciplinary yes. approach it, that is counterintuitive to western yes capitalized yes. healthcare yeah. damn i'm getting all the snacks yeah oh, what's exactly oh now i'm getting some caffeine oh i see it's perfect salt caffeine these are the things the hypermobile human body needs to survive there's our what is a second third hypermobility hack for the day salt yeah. caffeine just 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 do it just keep okay it, just keep it coming but you know all things in moderation right uh, yeah 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 that that that's really encouraging um that was an encouraging study the next yeah. news is not so encouraging and i'm probably oh. gonna get a little emotional again um so in uh, october 2022 feelings, feelings are hard okay go ahead yeah, feelings are not good with us um we either completely coast over them 
but we feel it so intensely we cannot regulate emotional regulation in me is not fun um and when i wrote this piece i had to take a little break um so i don't actually know how it's pronounced but the company is aytu okay a2 biopharma is the pharmaceutical company that sponsored the 2022 VEDS conference and EDS conference for context, okay? Um, and they sponsored it after announcing earlier this year that they had a potential drug and um, had taken grant monies to develop a drug for vascular EDS. Okay, so they, um, they're they a biopharma company and they took, fed, was it federal grants, global grants? I, um, I think they may have taken other grants, grants as well, but they took grants from the EDS Society. Okay, and then they were, you said And then they, they also sponsored two okay. major conferences. Okay. The EDS conference and the VEDS, Vascular EDS conference. Yeah. And if, if you're not familiar with VEDS or haven't heard us talk about it in other um, episodes, this is one of the more, more rare, it's the very, one of the very rare types of the Ehlers-Danlos syndromes, um, but it also has the um, most devastating consequences um, in terms of lifespan and health. Um, so m- most of the research for pharmaceutical and life-saving interventions has been um, with vets. Um, it is It's also underdiagnosed, underrecognized, late diagnosed, um, associated with hypermobility, um, but some some different features. And um, you can go back to our. Do you know what episode it was? What we talked about the other um, EDF variants. Episode six had a lot of the ones with our, where we showed our yeah. bodies as examples, because yeah. five. No, four was all about biting. Five was was. Or maybe it's episode five. It's episode five because six is the criterion three. So yeah, it's episode five. Yeah, I'll look real quick and I'll tell listeners. Um, but so beds um, is distinct from heads. Um, and there was a, a push recently. There's a couple investigational drugs happening now, right? Okay. Um, I want to say maybe was it like the first episode or even the second one when we talked about the other rare types like just oh where we talked about the types yeah i thought you meant where we talked about skin um oh yeah um anyhow um so back to au2 or a2 or i2 aytu biopharma um announced back in October, 2022, the indefinite suspension of their AR101 pharmaceutical development program for beds following a corporate review and announced the suspension of the drug was due to the lack of profitability. Mind you, this was after sponsoring the 2022 EDS summit and beds conferences. So yeah, I'm gonna call them out what the fuck what the fuck i thought 
you were going to say because the tests it caused x harm or did wasn't as effective or but no it's because we can't make the dollar bills y'all dollar dollar bills y'all that's disgusting i we could squirrel a whole lot on this i know we could right yeah but, but we, um, okay i'm Ugh, that's that makes me feel really gross. Let's see. Is there anything good that I'm about to say? Do I have good oh, stuff? Yeah, to say yeah. The rest, that? the rest, the there's the rest has some good stuff. There are some sad things. Um, but but let's just okay. But this is good. Go, we need to talk about the reality of before we even go into you know another yeah. topic. Let's let's do a little mind shift right here. Okay. I'm gonna I I just practice some mindfulness and I'm gonna tell you. To help me regulate emotions, I was noticing, you know, like, where in your body do you feel that? I could not do that before. Oh, yeah. When the first time my therapist said that to me, I was like, she's like, now in me, I notice a feeling arising when blah, blah, blah. And I was like, the fuck? I was like, I don't know if this shit's for me. Whatever. I'm a robot. Help me not be a robot, I, lady. I, I literally could not do that before. Um, but, but I'm a little bit more in my body. Uh, that's probably why I've lost increasing pain. Um, but I oh, yeah. just felt this huge welling in my chest. My heart is pounding. I can literally feel the blood rushing, thumping into my heart. Like I just, yeah. and then I got this pit in my stomach, like tightening. So yeah. that, that to me is how I feel anger and disappointment and disgust. And that's what I feel. I feel disgust. I'm disgusted at capitalism, corporate greed, um, the ableism of assuming, hey, y'all aren't going to catch this, but we're just, we're not going to invest I in mean, whatever about the greed, but this is like life-saving. Like, I mean, I feel very strongly about the greed, but I mean, whatever, businesses are going to business. But like when it comes to like life-saving medications, that's... Yeah, um, this could save and extend many lives. Right. Um, but I guess it just wasn't profitable enough. There's just not enough of us. Um, and 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 we'll we'll probably do it in depth future episode on this because it's really important to yeah to understanding hypermobility. But um, not only are the vascular EDS patients or beds patients affected by vascular risk. Um, all of the connective tissue disorders that are inherited, including heads, have a greater risk of vascular events. Yeah. Um, so it, it, while it may seem like, well, it wasn't going to be profitable because it was maybe a few thousand patients, I think that was probably a mistake, honestly, on their part, because it probably has the potential to treat most of the inherited connective tissue disorders. I don't know the exact mechanisms of the pharmaceutical or anything right. to truly know that, but it's just a suspicion I have. Um, but it was probably short-sighted. Um, yeah, I I can see how... Um, but VEDS is, is, you know, a more rare set, subtype. Um, it's estimated that it affects between um, one and 50,000 or even 
more narrowly one in 200,000 people, um, or only about maybe 6,500 Americans. So wow. um, unfortunately, though, a lot of beds diagnoses aren't made until um, sudden death. That's unfortunate. Um, and I, I think that's, you know, obviously this is personal to me. Um, but yeah. Um, okay, deep breath. We're not going to scroll further. Um, mm -hmm. I, I am currently regulating some emotions with this. And okay. It's a little well, you do that. And I'm going to talk about what happened in November of 2022. Columbia University in New York City conducted a study that assessed the beliefs, needs, and expectations for genetic counseling of patients with hypermobile Ehlers-Danlos syndrome. Okay, so, quote, majority of the participants did not feel that their doctors were knowledgeable about heads and strongly supported a multidisciplinary approach to their care. This research provides a framework for genetics providers and other healthcare professionals to assess the needs and expectations of patients with heads and consider restructuring their appointment formats to service this population. So, yes. Do, do, I wish they yeah. could realize how many people they could just freaking give them a prelim diagnosis with a freaking blood test. Just done. Done. Um, or done, you know, done, but... the the uh, GP toolkit that they use in the UK that's intended for primary care practitioners yeah. uh, to that go through the HEADS criteria and safely identify if there's any other traits that, you know, indicate referral to rheumatology specialty or, right. you know, cardiology and genetics is needed. Why are we not doing that? Why are we not screening for hypermobility? Why are we not screening for neurodivergence and hypermobility and back and forth? Um, and but the other the point of that study was like, hey, there's limited resources, in other words, geneticists with this specialized understanding and knowledge to evaluate connective tissue disorder traits in patients. So why don't we change our approach? Okay, so why don't we pool those resources, use, you know, virtual care. Um, that's what they mean by restructuring appointment formats. Yeah, um, I think and the medical literal... community realized how much more mobile things can be when the pandemic right. started. But I mean, I know there's, like... I know the privacy concerns were a big thing, but. Yeah, but but we, uh, we in the, the healthcare field have, have adapted and rely quite heavily and now are even monetizing virtual care. I won't even get into that right now. But um, don't get tricked up on that. Um, but <clears throat> the point of that that statement and that, that study from Columbia was, hey, why don't we utilize not just genetics, PhDs, and MDs, but utilize genetic counselors and share the knowledge make those appointments more accessible um because the very real access issues are related to um the lack of knowledge across people in the field the yeah. lack of genetic counselors um attached to those doctors and also the fact that like now that there's a demand for evaluation following 
you know, the shutdowns in healthcare right. the pandemic, and now the demand because of our increasing insistence of awareness, um, people are seeking care. But here's the problem. Their response was like, oh, we don't have the resources. I'm no longer taking patients. I'm no, I, I won't see a head's patient because we don't have the gene. I won't see anybody that's a certain age or under a certain age or over a certain age. I won't see anybody that lives outside of my state. These are literal things that patients are experiencing with connective tissue disorder specialized genetics clinics currently. Yep. And it's not acceptable. It's not acceptable. And unfortunately, because COVID, long COVID has pots, you know, you got the pots overloading way, way, way more. Exactly. So and they I'm not saying those people aren't deserving of care. I'm just we are not ready for the onslaught of dysautonomia patients that are going to need care. Right. And just, again, a personal anecdotal experience. Um, My child has severe dysautonomia, very symptomatic, very disruptive. Um, We, we couldn't get her in to see a doctor. She has a cardiologist because she has an aortic condition and genetic disorder. Her cardiologist was like, I don't know how to assess for that. I'm not comfortable treating it. I'm not comfortable giving her these sorts of medications. She's only 11. Uh, um, so let's let's look at the autonomic clinic. My hospital system actually has one. It's one of the few in the country. That's cool. They won't, they won't take peds. They won't take pediatric patients. So that's the only... I am grateful like my youngest she'll be 18 later this year and i'm just i'm glad that she's like i'm glad that that hurdle is not there anymore so So is that it is a hurdle just the access but we got lucky so you know the basic answer was well we're not going to put her on any medicine we're just let's just try to manage these with lifestyle um this cat i see lifestyle changes which we were doing and she just kept getting worse and worse and you know they called me in because she was due for her cardiology follow-up to check her you know her valves and her aortic again which she'll do for the rest of her life yeah and i asked the my our cardiologist rn and was like hey look you know last time we talked he had you know referred us to some clinics out of state they're not taking patients they still aren't i'm on wait lists yeah there's you know she the local clinics won't see her. There's no other specialist in the area. And this guy is knowledgeable of, like, he actually sees um, my friend's child who has Turner syndrome, another connective tissue disorder. So he's, he is the connective tissue disorder aware cardiologist for PEDS, but he doesn't, he's not trained in this. And he doesn't have the level of, you know, comfortability in, in treating a complicated pediatric risky condition like that. And that's fair. And I respect that. But it's like, please, like, uh, you know, everywhere you referred us to, it's a, it's a cost for travel out of state. And, yeah. and there's not, it's not really an option for us because they're not even taking patients. So like, can you advocate for us to get into like, see the adult autonomics clinic? And he tried, and basically they were like, well, we're too overloaded. She would still be waiting. And they said, well, we're not comfortable because there's not enough research on the peds. Um, and so anyhow, no kidding. She 
she was so they're having these conversations the very next day her name is sarah nurse sarah calls me and i am in the same room as my friend who also has a child with connective tissue disorder which okay two rare birds at the same time like it's just the craziest thing yeah and she says you are never going to believe this but we just hired an electrophysiologist and he wants to see her her like, being okay heavy yes and i'm like okay and they're like can you get her in so and so and it was like you know a few days later i was like yeah sure and so i we go in i meet this um practitioner he is a nurse practitioner electrophysiologist and as you know i think shelly and i probably have stated this if not i'm gonna state it again we prefer each of us prefer NPs. Yeah. Um, that's one of our life hacks. Um, they tend to have a more holistic approach um, and a little more latitude in exploring things, maybe not prescribing and that sort of thing, but they, they tend to just take some extra steps and have a deeper level of understanding and empathy um, in my experience. So this um, pediatric specialist was telling me, telling us actually, um, after he evaluated her dysautonomia, that he specifically went into the field because he was so disheartened at seeing all of these peds not having care for this. And I tell you, I could have hugged to this man. And he's younger than me. Like, he's not very far in his career. And I was just like, do you even realize, like, what a gap yeah. you were filling? Um, and so very recently we um he started her on some medications for her dysautonomia and one of her biggest medical mysteries is that she vomits in the middle of the night in her sleep we have been told it's migraine we've been told it's cyclical vomiting we have been told it's gi issues um she's still going to go do a scope this month um Has they've done have they done a sleep study um they have not done a sleep study they do not uh, that's one of the things that i'm interested in doing um is by it? the way sleep disorders are very common in hypermobile humans mm -hmm. um including not just obstructive sleep apneas but also neurologically mediated um sleep oh, like disorders, narcolepsy. Such, as, such as uh centralized sleep apnea which is brain derived um combined with obstructive sleep apnea and especially narcolepsy, which I'm beginning to wonder if I don't have. But anyhow, um, those kind of offline brain functions while sleeping are a problem. Um, and so we, we've examined all these things. So none of them are, are really helping. She's miserable. The child vomits in her sleep, and I'm so terrified that she's going to asphyxiate if she doesn't wake up. Um, and sometimes she doesn't. Like, she'll wake up in a pile of vomit. And it has been a problem since she was a baby. And when I complained to the pediatric, um, you know, primary care doctor as right. a baby about it, they were like, oh, it's just oh, it's um, reflux. reflux. Put her on an incline. Get a blah, blah, blah formula instead. Make sure blah, yeah. blah, blah, antacid. And, okay, this child was breastfed. Well, that Anyhow, so, um, and I kept complaining, I'm like, this isn't helping, you know, so then they actually put her on medication, didn't help. Um, it never stopped. Here we are, nearly 12 years later, she still vomits in her sleep. How, freak I, how frequent? Uh, once a week, maybe. 
sometimes more. Mm -hmm. Let me tell you how fun that is. Anyhow. um, We are talking about my least favorite bodily fluid. Not that I have favorites, but. Least tolerable for me too. That's yeah. Honestly, I was, I, I don't, I'm glad you didn't go into too much depth because I would have to like stop you. comes from a person who would eat her like lunch over cadavers in the cadaver lab. Okay. Like I, I'm in phase by almost anything, but vomit. Nope. The smell. It, yeah. And the sounds, but normally I'm asleep too. The sounds would get me. Yeah. Um, but so anyhow, it, it, multiple specialists involved. Um, the GI doctor was wholly unhelpful. Um, but actually the next time we saw him was much better. So he must've gotten my, he must've gotten my feedback. Anyhow. So this electrophysiologist puts Evelyn on, there's about three or four different medications we can try in Pete's for these issues. And he's sitting here telling me about our options. We're discussing it. And he's saying, I think it's actually going to help not just what we think of as the autonomic dysfunction symptoms, like the the dizzy, vertigo-type feelings, um, the fatigue and stuff. But um, he, so he also diagnosed her, she has vascular insufficiency. He saw it immediately in the evaluation, her blood pools and her feet, same as me. Um, And the, you know, the strange capillary filling, the levator reticularis, very rapidly changing with position um yeah i think i might be end up being diagnosed with some something similar i i have my tilt test in april so yeah we'll find out um and now keep in mind we have already been managing this with um intense hydration yeah. intense electrolytes salt tabs um increased rest um all of these different ways of like regulating her autonomic nervous system we've tried i have tried every um non-western medication um approach he was like well have you tried um peppermint or ginger and i was like dude i buy gingins in bulk and i literally buy ginger in bulk and make make my own little decoction of it for her to ingest every single day. This is how we're functioning and it's not functioning. Yeah. Something's got to give. Yes. Every little, like little life hack, lifestyle change, we've been doing them, but yet still, even when he tested her, she still had autonomic dysfunction. And, um, so that should tell you something. Right. And I have to pause. Okay. I'm sorry. Yes, baby. Everything's go, go upstairs for a while. You're probably, Abby, I want to finish recording this, okay? I'm sorry. If it's really loud, come come on me then. Go get your, um, your headphones. Okay, well, let me finish recording and then we'll do some mommy time. We're almost done. I'll keep her on, uh, this says I'm on page eight of 18. Okay. I don't know if that's almost. Let me finish this part of the conversation. Um, Lynn, is it okay if I take like a 15 minute break with her? Oh, and then 100% because yeah. I can go chat with Alec and have yeah. a snack. Okay. And that Let's gives me that. a good breaking point. So we want to finish what the, just the December. Yeah, I just wanted to. Yeah. So 
Okay. Well, basically, long story short, I want I I don't want to talk about specific medications and that sort of thing because right. you know that's something you should involve your doctor in. But finally, we got access to someone who has treated these impedes, has an understanding, did a full, complete evaluation, has had a very good um, assessment experience, okay. and some additional diagnoses. Had a discussion about options for medication, how it would affect other uh, her other conditions. Um, her aortic health, um, for example. Yeah. Uh, and he said, I think it's actually really going to help a lot of her symptoms you probably don't even realize are related to her vascular issues and dysautonomia. And he said, from what I'm seeing, and this is common in many hypermobile humans. Mm. our blood is not being pumped throughout our body effectively because there's probably actually a couple reasons and that's one of the amazing things about the variety of us is that the connective tissue recipes are kind of highly specific so you know there's recipes and some of us may have worse veins or arteries some mm -hmm. of us may have not enough heart valves like we may have a bicuspid valve as opposed to the three flaps we only have two um, so it's working harder to go through the heart some of us may have some aortic differences like her and i do where aortas are wider and so the blood pools um, and then some of us may have differences in our capillaries in the veins going down to our legs or coming back from our legs right. um, and and that's what we see in mine and her phenotype is we have very severe blood pooling and he said i am fairly certain her blood is pooling in her abdomen at night And it triggers her vomiting. And it literally pulls so much that it physically pushes on her stomach and causes the feelings of nausea and the, the completely uncontrolled vomiting. And because it's not mitigated or coming from a feeling of sickness, she's not being like, having a sort of sensation of like hey i'm sick i don't feel well i'm having peristalsis and it's waking me up Instead, right it's literally a push onto it's pushing the contents out of her stomach and up and out and he said because just in the time that i've evaluated her all that blood that just pooled in her ankles now think about what's happening around her organs and i was like oh. and i was like oh my god everything the migraines, the blah, 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 blah. Sure enough, well, she still has migraines, but, you know, migraines mm -hmm. have many causes. Um, and she has neck hypermobility pretty severely. But do you know what? She's vomited maybe once since we started that man. That's awesome. Um, so sure enough, he was right. Blood pooling. Um, so, of course, you're going to have autonomic dysfunction. And so there's these little receptors in your um cardiac tissues that monitor your blood pressure okay and they're part of the sensory system of course 
because that's what they do. They they mm-hmm. monitor and they then they send that information back. Like and little so, valves. Yeah. Well, they're not valves. Not there valves. are valves in there. But I just realized cells. I said that. And that's these are cells right. that feel the pressure changes. They're oh, okay. They're little barometers. Yes, exactly. And so those are also going haywire because all, all the... So like your body will... And it so that's know, why it doesn't know WTF. It's like, yeah. The, yeah. And so that's why we get um, a disproportionate like response. And so that's when it, and so like your body has this sensation that you are in threat, you're in chaos, you know, it's, and that's why it sends you things like pain. That's why, you know, and that's where this autonomic dysfunction leads to things like emotional dysregulation. Yeah. Uh, dysregulation of pain, pain syndromes. So all of this is the cutting edge of the research that's going on with hypermobility. Okay. Because we talk about it in terms of joint hypermobility, right? It's the fact yeah. that like my my joints are bendy. No, yeah. it's it's not. Frankly, that's one of it is a problem. That's like the least of the problems. You know what the problems are? The the scary problems are these vascular issues. Yeah. My literal heart doesn't work right. My aorta is enlarged. I'm at huge risk for dying of a sudden death of an aneurysm like some other people. John yeah. Ritter, Grant Wall. Um, anyhow, um, I just... <laughs> And I think about all these other kids that don't have access and how lucky I, I never had this. Yeah. I still don't have this medication. I think how lucky my kid is and she's still not okay. Yeah. That's the and, hardest. It's hard. Yeah. And I'm honestly, saying... yeah. Like, and right now, um, uh, Shelly and I are going to take a break because the only thing that she wants right now is quiet. And I am. Um, my voice talking recording the podcast is dysregulating her um and she would like the physical comfort of mom because she yeah. has a, a migraine and nothing else is comforting her right That's now she's fair. i need to go sp- spy on the seven teenage yeah. humans in my lounge so this is the editing that we will do we are going to cut here and we'll yeah. we'll reconvene and we'll um, and, and I don't know what your schedule is tomorrow. We can finish tomorrow if that's easier, too. I don't no, know what I your schedule is. It, let's check in in about 15, 20 minutes and see. Yeah. All right. So, I'm just going to start talking. Yeah, It'll do probably, it. Yeah. Okay. So in December 2022, a joint study from the DePaul University in Chicago and the Peyton Manning Children's Hospital in Indianapolis examined, quote, the role of functional disability and social support in psychological outcomes for individuals with pediatric hypermobile Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome. So they examined the unique influence of both on the mental health of children with pediatric heads and both the disability and social support should receive more clinical attention. Exploratory analyses under the influence of gender provide a groundwork for future studies. So that particular study also noticed a gender divide on um, disability and social support um, and psychological outcomes for pediatric heads patients. Wow. So it's hard for me to even think about pediatric pet 
heads patients because we did not have our understanding at that age. Yeah. So that's, I mean, I'm glad it's there. I mean, yeah. you know what I mean by that in a way. Yeah. yeah me too. Um, particularly on a like really high pain day, day where my kids so dysregulated. I'm yeah. like, thank gosh, thank gosh, their efforts. Um, you know, there's been a lot of talk, obviously, with the genetics. Um, we we mentioned the heads chain, of course. Yeah. Um, so, what else is going on in the well, world of genetics research? Well, besides us getting our genetic information, which we'll talk oh, about yeah. later, we're not yeah. going to squirrel on that right now. But significant efforts um, towards examining the 2017 criteria has been ongoing. So, the work group review of the 2017 international criteria for heads in the description which we covered extensively in episodes four five and six we went through the whole shebang um that's progressed a lot and so research expanding the into rarer the rarer types and further genetic profiles has been ongoing throughout the year also in february of 2022 a case report of a man with a recurring lung collapse which is pneumothorax and not a blood clot um, led to the identification of a new classical like Ehlers-Danlos syndrome, which is, do they call it CLEDS? C-L-E-D-S? I don't, that is not flow. I've already referred to, referred to it as C-L-E-D-S, but I don't know. It's C-L-E-D-S. CLEDS? CLEDS Cled. sounds like such an awful, I don't. It sounds like a sex, an STI. CLEDS sounds like that. C-LEDs? I was thinking it sounded like a weird nickname for a redneck mule, but okay. I mean, that works too. Anyway, <laughs> that gene mutation is on TNXB, the TNXB mm -hmm. gene, which I have quite a few mutations. Yeah, on so that no, there's already some no mutations on TNXB. This is an additional mutation expanding um, the, the gene mutations. Okay. The recipe options just keep widening. The ingredients you got yeah. lots of. It's like um, there was another study out also in February of 2022 by Dr. and I will butcher her name, Anna Junkert Cisnarik. I'll spell it J-U-N-K-I-E-R-T hyphen C-Z-A-R-N-E-C-K at L. There were other authors on classical EDS. Okay. Um which was published identifying several new mutations in classical EDS with their findings indicated, quote, not all causative genes giving rise to CEDS have been elucidated yet. Interesting. So that yeah. means anyone who previously had some genetic testing done once they finalized their findings might be worthwhile to have it run back through their algorithms and see if yeah. anything Pops so up. exactly those 2017 variants listed in the cri criteria previously of the known Ehlers-Danlos syndromes do keep expanding as research keeps expanding. We have not studied the whole genome. So of let me ask humans, you: this. Obviously, are these findings new mutations in that they are previously unknown, or are they moving from they were not identified as pathological and disorder causing with case studies, family genetics reports, that sort of thing. So gotcha. these are, um, so, so these, they might these are saying, hey, here's the recipe and here's what happens. Okay. Okay. 
Um, so I, I imagine there's plenty of us out here with some unknown um, variant of unknown significance or VUS, how they abbreviate it on That's genetic reports so do they, that have they yet have already, to be elucidated. Okay. So would it have already be identified somewhere in your information as a VUS? So if that patient had, you know, gone and done genetic testing previously, they would not have popped on one of those 13 known EDS variants. They would have potentially had a genetics report that said, hey, you have okay. a variant of unknown significance. Okay. And now a medical researcher said, hey, your symptoms are concerning. You've had all these lung collapses. Let's look at your genetics. And now they've gotcha. looked at the genetics. They've done the genome sequencing. They have also done the genetics um, evaluation of um, not just the proband or the original patient, but their connections through their family. Okay. Um, so now that is a variant of significance. Okay. It's no longer unknown, right? Oh, okay. okay. Um, right. Cool. So then later in July 2022, a collaborative study out of Monterey, Mexico, identified some more genes, possible genes and biomarkers, actually, Ooh. related to hypermobility spectrum disorder. So they examined whole genome sequencing of HSD patients. So in Mexico, they did a larger collaborative study of not just certain parts of a genome, but the whole genome of these hypermobile spectrum disorder patients. So they found some particular mutations um, in five patients that they evaluated. Okay. So there were three gene mutations. So I'll read them out for you. The first one is MUC3A. Okay. The second gene mutation is RH. BG. And the final one is ZNF717. Oh. So these were mutated in five of their HSD patients. And additionally, um, the functional enrichment analysis of all the mutated genes identified that these mutations were related to the extracellular matrix, ECM, mm -hmm. structural constituent as the primary issue, meaning the problem that this um, gene variant was mutating was the functional structure outside of your cells, the ECM. Okay. Um, the analysis, analysis identified relevant biofunctions. So the analysis of the genetics and their, these particular pathologies in these patients identified particular cell body functions, chemical reactions, that sort of thing that are particular in these variants, um, such as the organization, the organizational structure, the building blocks of the ECM, and the hereditary connective tissue disorders. So a comparison revealed 55 genes and okay. also highlighted these two, MUC16 and FREM2. Guess what I'm doing later tonight. Right? <laughs> Only a half of a percent of the genes at the intersection of both approaches supporting the hypothesis of two different disorders that inevitably share a common genetic background that are not the same. In other words, this whole distinction we've been discussing between heads and HSD. It's not a thing. 
it's not a thing, but it also maybe is a thing because of how it has a spectrum of variance because it's a spectrum of variance. Did that make sense? It's a spectrum of variance. V-A-R-I-N-C-E yes. because of a spectrum of genetic variance. V-A-R-I-A-N-T-S. Okay. So this is a very preliminary study, small study, yeah, but interesting nonetheless. So the other particular interesting piece of this research is not only that it seems that there's a common background genetically and affected area, as I've been saying, the ECM, mm -hmm. but there's also potential biomarkers. What is a biomarker, Shelly? Do you know? Um, a biomarker is, I, I know what it is, but the anomia has got me right now. It's like, it's okay. something, yeah, you say it. Okay, I'll, like, yeah. I'll try to explain. It's a detectable clinical indication that's different from typical presentation. I can test for it. Not it's just like, genetically. It's like something where... Um, I can see something in your cell function, in your lab work. I can develop a clinical lab test to say, hey... Clara is a biomarker, right? Like you can see... That, that, well, that would be... That's a that's a trait. It's visibly oh, assessed. Okay. A biomarker would be like... Um, I so, can run a lab and see... Um, like different types of cells or different proportions of certain antibodies or and know that you have an uh would that be like when they used to take biopsies of your skin and look at mm -hmm. the skin structure so my skin looks different because my collagen looks different so okay. i can pull a okay. lab and say something in this chemical process is different in this person so the labs it's are different right okay yeah. um okay so okay. like yeah, yeah. So what is that biomarker? So the, the I'm not going to go into it. It's, oh. it's That's you know, it's, yeah. Okay. So there is no lab or test associated with it yet. Right. It's a potential for that, right? Okay. Um, so they conclude the study by describing five potential biomarkers. Okay. And by highlighting the importance of genetic genomic approaches that combined with clinical data may result in an accurate diagnosis and better treatment. Hmm. So basically they said, hey, we identified some things happening internally in our patients um, in their cellular function because yeah. of these genetic variants. And maybe we can develop a um, less expensive, more readily available test. So. Thank you, cool. Mexico. Yeah. Someone with a little bit of Mexican heritage. I'm proud of that work. Yeah. So um, another study, this was in October, just a few months ago, um, expanded on our understanding of musculocontractural EDS. Is Mickey EDS. Do you want fries with that? <laughs> I do. More salt, please. Yes, yes. fries. Yes, salt. That I literally poured salt in my kid's mouth earlier. It was fun. Oh, during our break? Yeah. Yeah, that, during the break. Yeah. So this study out of Shinsu University School of Medicine in Japan was published in October in Genes, which is a medical journal. That's Genes, G-E-N-E-S, um, as in like genetics. Right. And their study expounded on the clinical features to show upper limb dislocations, particularly in the shoulder area are common in this subtype oh all oh, right 
I was waiting for Shelly to read that and process this. We uh, we we both have some NC EDS unknown variants, right? Yeah. And we both know. struggle with our and shoulders. My shoulders are garbage. Okay. Um, particularly um, young as well. Like I'm constantly popping back in my kids. My dad taught me how to put my shoulders back in in childhood. And never once were we like, oh, this is a problem. It's a problem. Okay. I just now know why my mom never, there were certain things I always wanted to do. I'd be like, let's go do this. And she's always like, no, no. <laughs> no. And I'd be like, no. why? And now, okay. So then. But I would like to keep my parts together. Yes. But like the sensory seeker in me wanted to like swing okay. and like drag my yep. arms. Oh, Abby was obsessed with monkey bars, climbing. We mm -hmm. we did still try to do climbing. I yeah. am very much a sensory seeker. I love the outdoors. I miss that stuff. I miss doing heavy athletics. We've talked about this. We yeah. are unfortunately sensory seekers that destroy our bodies when trying to do physical activity. Exactly. But safe physical activity is essential for hypermobility health. So anyhow, yeah. continuing so, on. So we were squirreling. Um, but in November, the Ellers Danlow Society announced $400,000 in funding. We I think we talked about this too. Mm -hmm. um, in Landmark new research project, blah, 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 blah. I'm leaving that. Anyway, they funded a project and basically it's going to try to shed some more light on the biology of hypermobile EDS and HSD using whole genome sequencing and one of Luna's favorite topics, epigenetics. Right. So um, basically expanding on the idea of what we were discussing in that study out of Monterey, Mexico. Okay. We need to look at the whole genetic profile of these patients both heads and hsd because yeah. they are there's something here as a whole right there's a there also, there yeah but we also you know we talked about that biomark but we also need to know what's shifting in these patients in the field of epigenetics so that's the the additional yeah. um aspect of the genetics research um and also back to italy um at another um, institution, the inter, uh, the University of Brescia. I don't know. Maybe it's Brescia. I don't speak Italian. I speak Spanish and Slovak. Um, anyhow, in English, poorly, poorly speaking English. Anyhow, this Italian study back in December characterized the cellular phenotype and gene expression profile further of heads and HSD with dermal fibroblasts. So particular skin cells. Um, they demonstrate a cellular similarity in heads and HSD. So under a microscope, looking at the cells of hypermobile humans with these two d apparently distinct diagnoses, there's Sorry. maybe not a distinction. Anyhow, both cell types show a common cellular trait. In other words, this is the trait a generalized disarray of the extracellular matrix. We are scatterbrained, even in our skin, even in the cells. Like I said, at the very basic level, the structural support at the cellular level is fucked. Uh, oops, sorry. Well, we can't edit that out. Also, the myofibroblast... I have never edited my swear words out, so... Yeah. The myofibroblast differentiation... Um, is similar. Myofibroblasts uh, are in uh, myofascial tissue, um, muscular tissue, and dysregulated gene expression. 
So overall, we can see their extracellular matrix is disarrayed. Their myofibroblasts are differentiated. And the gene expression is similarly dysregulated. Fantastic. So, right? um, so more and more evidence mounting for not just that HSD and heads should be treated clinically the same as for patient care, but also maybe there's a reason why. They might yeah. be way more connected than we like to pretend. Um, and then finally, at the end of the year, another genetic variant was identified in December um, in Rome, still in Italy, um, this time for classical like EDS again. Okay. A new variant, um, AEBP1, gave further context to the role of extracellular matrix homeostasis and so look at all these genes we're collecting. Yeah, that's so interesting. So in addition to all the genetic breakthroughs, um, there have been a lot of breakthroughs in awareness. Um, increasing in 2022, there's been so much more media awareness. And at first I thought it was just because I was diagnosed, but it's actually, it's not that effect, right? Yeah. So it's, it's um, um, I, I, I hate, I hate to say this, but like it's trending and I want to say for a reason, right? Yeah. Um, so several news outlets have published articles and some celebrities have shared on their social media um, that they are affected with this condition. And so they're spreading awareness. And after a public struggle with endorsements, the singer Halsey shared yep, their additional diagnoses in May, which was EDS. Sjogren syndrome, which has been on the short list for me, and I never seem to have it. I have all the symptoms, but I don't have any. And there's a wide overlap in those two comorbidities, yep. uh, Sjogren's and EDS. And mast cell activation, which we talked about, and POTS, which they're all like besties. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so Halsey is obviously um, very pretty, pretty well known, I would assume, as a singer and in pop music well, uh, someone that you may not know what billy eilish billy yeah two days ago um, somebody that you may not know her name but you probably know her work um is a comic um author um that won awards with um harlequin harlequin sorry why can't i think um and then in July, I shared an announcement on TikTok with the news from T. Franklin, um, the author, that in her latest comic with Marvel, she had written a disabled woman into the Spider-Verse. Very cool. So that's what a spider can. So she is queer and the comic Edge of the Spider-Verse, um, 2022, number four edition, published on September 21st, 2022, features a heroine named Charlotte Charlie Weber, a Love sun it. spider, is her um, alternate ego with Ehlers-Danlos syndrome or EDS. Um, so she is outwardly queer, wears rainbow, um, you know, colors, um, uses her mobility aids, and that sort of thing. Nice. And the the story is very intertwined with her existence with disability and how she is perceived and facing ableism. Uh, and the pity and ableism that she faces as um, Charlie 
is contrasted with her alter ego as the heroine, the sun spider, who's, you know, beloved and seen as, um, you know, a community heroine figure. As part of Charlie's story, readers of the comics see a variety of ways in which she encounters ableism in her daily life. Um, now, for transparency, I don't regularly read comics. I haven't since I was very young, um, but yeah. I did read this one because, you know, like I found this author. I was like, oh, this is amazing. And it seems somewhat semi-autobiographical. Um, but the story is really deep. It, this is not just like a comic. It, um, you know, it examined the barriers of a disabled EDS patient, um, structural, social barriers, medical barriers, and then like the contrast of like her having her disabled self in contrast to her alter ego is very much like this allegory for masking our yeah disability um it was really it was really it was beautifully written um and very representative um and t is also a um, person of color as well okay. as being disabled queer and autistic so um i really i really love that um that representation is reaching a space where there's a lot of younger people right yeah um and my favorite quote from Charlie is, quote, I wish people would see me like they see Sun Spider. I'm a human being with feelings and deserve to be treated with respect, not as an afterthought. So I'll link to an article about the comic with some of the panels for you to actually view oh, okay. um, in the show notes. And we'll put some on the video, too, for those of you that watch our episodes. Um, and then if you go to my TikTok, I do follow Z Franklin too, if you want to follow her. Um, okay. and I'll put her a link to her like website and that sort of thing where you can see all of her, her work. So nice. she's um, an amazing creative person. Um, but so anyhow, so the spider voice or the spider verse gave zebras a voice. Spider voice. This year. You know what I mean, shush. Sorry. Y'all do know what the spider verse is, right? Yes, I'm okay. They do. Yeah. That's weird. I say they yeah. like I know yes, they are listening. Are you listening? Send us an they. email. Yeah, send us an email. It's on our website. Anyhow, so the Spider-Verse gave zebras a voice, right? Yes. Great. Yeah. So um not only do comics represent um EDS, um, so did a really major media outlet and from what i hear a lot of people got push notifications from cnn um on this article so an article was published in december by cnn health which obviously has a large readership how a many bazillion, times did you get sent that article i was going to say a bazillion people sent it to me so i'm glad that it had such a wide reach but i'm also glad that it had such a wide reach with such quality reporting and content wow. um so they interviewed several patients um, about their head's journey, um, several researchers and medical providers, um, and really um, expressed the lived experience, uh, quality of life issues, the healthcare um, issues, the ableism, our place in the world. Um, and I really enjoyed the video interviews because it really did a good way, a, a good job of like 
I didn't see the video. Maybe I yeah, only so just it's right on it. the article. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. I just, um, and, and honestly, my first reaction to when I saw that was that I got mad. Oh, I got mad and I was overwhelmed. And I was like, oh, no, wait, let me come back to this. I got, I just got mad because like, I wonder if my friends who, I wonder if my friends who sent me that. Read it? No. Had any context for like how they have experienced life towards me and any reflection on it is what I oh, thought. That, I didn't even get to that. My thought was, it's so stupid. I don't, I feel like more people need to hear us. And I'm like, did you set, have you been sharing oh, my podcast oh. to people? Like, like, honestly, this is how why, I know. Also, this. like, why are you sending this to someone who, like, that's basically, all I ever talk about? Send it to somebody else. It. I'm like, is that clearly, what you mean? Clearly, you have not listened to anything that I have said online. Yeah. Because I know what the fuck. But also I get it because so that was my instant like, what the fuck? Don't you know I know all kinds of shit about this? And then I'm like, yeah. wait a minute, Shelly. Not everybody sits and thinks no, about you. No, that was their way of relating to you and saying, hey, look, yes. this is like cool. They did an article about this thing you're always talking about that's widely underrepresented and yeah, we don't have awareness for it. But um, so I actually, you know, we made the joke about social media. Neither one of us really enjoy the book of faces and I rarely mm -hmm. get on there. Um, but I did, I went on the book of faces because that's where some of the older people in my family yeah. um, congregate. And I made a post and I said, I don't share a lot on here. So, you know, this is important to me. Please read an, this article. It's about the conditions and the life experience, um, that the people in my family deal with. Um, and you know, so I, I did share it widely. I think, you know, what Shelly is expressing is the frustration that like, is it just an echo chamber? Yeah. Our our push is, you know, we want the awareness beyond just this. And so I think the more we talk, the more um, people are talking, you know, they'll, I'm glad it's in the media. You know what I mean? I'm yeah, glad they're doing profiles on patients not, like, and doctors just, and stuff. You know, it yeah. just has that little, oh, I did not mean to. Yeah. So they, they started that article about a teen, um, a teen girl named Poppy and her mom talking to her mom and about their journey. So, um, you know, that that is very reflective of many of us have that journey of female adolescence being the time we devolve. Um, and then they also talked to Linda Bluestein, a Colorado-based Colorado patient and physician. Um, they talked to Melissa Dickinson, a zebra, and a counselor um, in mental health and they talked to Dr. Courtney Gensmer, of course, who we mentioned earlier yeah. and, and another um, patient scientist we've mentioned in a previous episode, PhD candidate in the UK, Sabiha Malik, yeah. who identified the first biomarker with heads. Um, our article um, I thought was really well done and I, I encourage you to um, go to the show notes, find that link and do share it widely. Share it to some people who may not know about Hypermobility. I need to pause. Abby's doing okay. something here. What they? Well, I So the show they just went into Gazzola, Gazzola's, and okay. in the episode where they pretend to be a girl. Okay. They, like, mess with Ted because it was Sunday. point. Yes. They he text. Um, Marshall texts accidentally that he's picking up some Gazzola. 
Okay. And Godzilla's is all the way in Chicago. In Chicago. Which is British. Yeah. Um, you know, I've seen this show like six times now. Mom, this is the last time. I've seen it before you watched it. Okay. So, hey, that was not an emergency interruption. But it was you didn't have to keep waving and distracting me. Just be patient, okay? Um, fun jokes about that. Okay. So, I'm going to give you. I hate that now we have some. Edits. You didn't say the name of the article. Um, did I? No, you did not. That's why we're not skipping right to my news because you didn't say the name of it. Well, and unless, I still have a whole other section. Oh, hold on. Unless, let me... unless you said it and I've just been petting my pillow and I didn't notice. Okay. So I'm going to link to the article, but it is on CNN Health. It was written by uh, Sarah Lazarus, published December 29th at the end of the year. Um, and the title was millions have the same bendy body disease disorder as my daughter why isn't the medical profession paying more attention why can't you hear me right i think that's why i read that title and i was like oh that's like the how many articles have i read with that damn title right yeah so okay um okay. It, it did seem like the author did a lot of research, had some really quality interviews and people that they talked to, good oh, information. Yeah. Um, and sometimes some of the media articles this year, I'm not going to name media outlets, but the Daily Mail comes to mind, have been ill-conceived, yeah. ill-researched, and damaging. So I was very appreciative of a good piece of journalism like oh, that. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Um, so. Dr. Courtney Gensimer was also interviewed in a few articles this year. Um, oh, yeah. Another December article at the end of the year. I really like the title of this one, too, is Revenge of the Gaslit Patients. Yes. Now, as scientists, they're tackling the Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome. There you go. Badass bitches. Um, and she explained her thoughts on this. Quote, let's publish in top journals and send them a copy and sign it that's how i feel talking about the doctors that gaslit her yep um i can't help but think either the media is picking up on our um, zebra herds increasing anticipation or courtney is very intentionally doing uh -huh. um media interviews to start yes. spreading the word in advance of publication to get the buds going on the head stream and anyhow that quote is just like for me um I think, I mean, I think we've talked about it, but, you know, Courtney what is, is a student patient, meaning she deals with disability regularly while yeah. going through the PhD program, researching heads, and also being an educated person literally in the field and being gaslit. Um, and I'm not going to tell her story, but, you know, she struggles with the same things we do in healthcare. Yeah. And her, her thought is, you know what, I'm going to publish my findings sign a little note and send it to those turds yeah and i yeah. i fantasize about calling up some certain doctors i mean like yo swear words right but have i no if you want to read um the google review for dr soban matthew in Bowie, maryland wait, 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 the I, google review for who now 
I'm not going to say it again. Okay, you don't um, have to say it again, but maybe send it to me later. Okay. Um, so, but not everything in 2022 was good news. And so, unfortunately, in more somber news, Grant Wall, a beloved sports journalist and soccer analyst, died um, suddenly on December 10th following complications from an ascending thoracic aortic aneurysm. The Marfan Foundation expressed condolences to his family for the early and painful loss. I believe he was 46 or 47. He was about our age. Yeah. Um, and they also identified share, um, and shared their best practices for identifying and managing this condition. Yeah. Um, so I don't know if we've touched on this this episode, but, you know, both Shelly and I were in sports growing up. And I was a soccer player. I, I coached soccer for a long time to kids um and um, part of my daughter's progression was she had to drop out of soccer and then part of her triumphant story was getting strong enough to return this mm -hmm. past year so soccer means a lot to us as a family um uh, and so you know of course you know i was following you know um the the games in qatar and he he was a face and a voice i knew as a as a soccer fan yeah. um and shelly when it happened you 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 told me actually that's who, how i found out um, um yeah and the I'm immediate sorry, conversation no that's okay you don't have to apologize but the immediate conversation was in the context of this yeah that's I saw that and they were like as soon as they said they didn't think it was foul play I was like I bet you it was an aneurysm. Yeah. Oh like immediately she was like you know look at it look at him he's he's one of us you know that's what, yeah. I guarantee you that's what it was mm -hmm. and you were right. Mm -hmm. Um and we mentioned earlier um you know this particular medical um condition is you know, associate with sudden death like this. So um, hypermobile humans with certain genetic connective tissue disorders should be aware of your risk for this condition. Um, Grant Wall is the most recent um, widely known person that passed from this, and that is very recent. Um, but you may also be familiar with John Ritter, um, who passed suddenly while filming his sitcom, Simple Rules for Dating My Teenage Daughter. Yeah, and his son is still an actor, and looks um, just like him. Yeah, they look a lot alike. Looks, they look a lot alike. Um, and of course, he's he's really no, well known for um, the much earlier television show Three's Company. He's known I, for his comedy, his physical comedy. Um, that's where I. That's where I first found out about gay people. Was that show Three's Company? Yeah. Oh, cool. And I didn't um, know. The whole time I watched that show, there were I had so many issues with it, aside from like the slapstick, which was the whole shtick, like the weird yeah. miscommunications. But like the whole time, I'm like, okay, first of all, and mind you, I'm not an adult watching this. I'm I think I'm under the age of we 10. were little kids. Yeah. Yeah. I would um yeah, because I'm, I'm reruns, yeah. I'm five years older than you. So yeah. So I watched it as reruns, but it was definitely still like anyway. Um, I was like, first of all, who cares if a dude is living with two chicks? Like, why is that an issue to anybody? Shut up. That's dumb. They're just trying to like yeah. save money. Then I was like, why does he, I was like, first of all, 
why does he have to pretend? Why is he lying like that? That's dumb. And then I was like, oh, well, so he likes boys. Who cares? Right. We didn't, we I, didn't think anything of it, right? And then, then I was confused. Later, like, we realized society like, thought something of it. I'm like, wait, does he like boys or not? Like, I was like, I don't yeah, understand. So because I didn't understand like, that either. But there were so many. I was very young. But yeah. I mainly w thought the physical com comedy was hilarious. And also, I may have had some girl crushes. Anyhow, but when I first got on TikTok. Yeah. Um, you know, now that you mentioned it, there was a lot of physical comedy he did. Oh, yeah. He was very much known for his physical comedy yeah, situation. Yeah. Um, huh. Yeah, yeah, go watch some of that as a zebra now. Yeah. With some context and tell me what you think. Okay. So when I first got on TikTok, and I know this sounds like I'm squirrely, but it's intentional. Okay. A certain person. John Ritter's son, Jason, kept yeah. coming up on my FYP. I was like, that's funny. Um, that was before I knew our medical conditions. Right. Because um, there have been sudden deaths and young deaths in my family like this. And now mm -hmm. I know our genetic status. And um, oh. yep. And I my genomes have actually gone to the John Ritter Foundation which is another connective tissue disorder foundation um specifically um working in the field of aortic health um mm -hmm. amy yazbeck um was john ritter's wife also an actress and she's very much um involved right. in the foundation and, and speaks publicly about it and she also wrote um a condolence letter to the wall family and no. i don't know if people have any context for their marriage but they were still married very much in love and it was a very devastating loss for her and that's oh. why she, they, she and her sons her kids dedicate so much um time and energy into this foundation and um i am an aorta supporter is their hashtag um oh, I like so that. yeah cute right so they have a website right they do um i'll link the john ritter foundation um this this particular concern your aortic your aortic health is one of the reasons diagnosis and evaluation of hypermobility um to determine the exact connective tissue um disorder you may have is encouraged this is of particular personal meaning to me and my family we carry um the prk PRKG um, gene associated with this. Um, I suspect uh, the same condition, TAAD, was the cause of the sudden, sudden death of my great grandfather at the age of only 35. It had lasting traumatic ramifications in my own family. And yeah. that, that's not the only one, there have been multiple. Uh, so I can kind of trace some of the origins, of course. Um, and I myself am managing a dilated aorta, um, which is the precursor to possible aneurysm. I'm regularly monitored, um, as is um, my child. Uh, my daughter's aorta is, you know, still healthy. There's no um, concern at this age, but um, she will be regularly monitored for her whole life. 
yeah. um, with a cardiologist. And unfortunately, many people may not be aware of their risk or genetic status. Unfortunately, many people pass without knowing they had this issue. And um, this part, this aortic condition can, is considered either syndromic or non-syndromic. And frankly, I'm going to tell you the non-syndromics probably are syndromics. Um, we just not have identified genes, right? right? Um, so the heavy hitters, the known connective tissue disorders that are associated with this risk um, include Marfan syndrome, yeah. Lewis Dietz syndrome, and that's spelled L-O-E-Y-S hyphen D-I-E-T-Z, named after the Belgian doctor who defined it, Turner syndrome, um, and another rare connective tissue disorder. And yet I have someone in my close um, friend community um, that has a child with this. And vascular Ehlers-Danlos syndrome or BEDS and bicuspid aortic valve, meaning you have two flaps instead of the three. Um, these all put you at risk for this condition. If you don't know, bicuspid aortic valve is very common in hypermobile humans, heads, and HSD. Interesting. Um, so I encourage you to um, discuss any cardiovascular symptoms, uh, medical history with your physician, and know the warning signs. Um, they're not so obvious. They're frequently mistaken, even by medical professionals, mm -hmm. for a heart attack. Um, I will um, include a link in the show notes to both the Marfan Foundation, their article, as well the state as the statement from Amy Yazbeck and the John Ritter Foundation for Aortic Health. Yeah. Um, their website is a really excellent resource for awareness and life-saving information. Um, they have the Ritter Rules, which were created to educate on how to recognize, treat, and prevent um, thoracic aortic dissection. Basically, some people do do feel the physical symptoms some people just feel intense doom or dread um oh. the sensation that has been described by survivors is a sudden deep ripping sensation with intense pain in your chest and so they go to the hospital thinking they're having a heart attack and unfortunately only certain imaging will detect this and that's not always done so if they don't know your family so they history, probably just do a quick EKG and run some labs. Right. And just a standard what. EKG may not, will probably right. not catch this. Um, and then often they will put you on a blood thinner and that will ensure your death. That's like the worst thing to do. Literally. Um, and Literally. that's what happened to John Ritter. Um, and so, uh, you know, that's, that's where I'm at in my life. It's is like medical knowing... bracelet material. Yes. Um, and so what I'm telling you is that almost all hypermobile humans are at risk for this. And yeah. you may not know you're at risk for this. So there's particular imaging um, that you, you should discuss with your doctor, particular signs. And you should also know the signs that is happening, not just for you, but like those people in your family that you're like related to. Um, and you know, if you do get diagnosed with the dilated aorta, like what I'm looking at, there's pro prophylactic surgeries, preventative stents so, that they can place and that sort of thing. I'm going to talk to my friend Bruce after this because he absolutely had 
some type of heart repair surgery in 2022. My in dad Cle has had in Cleveland repaired and they didn't know they didn't know when it happened. He anyhow, I'll, I'll go back on that. But, but in Cleveland, yeah. he went to Cleveland and had the procedure done. That's where my okay. Uh-huh. Anyway. My dad um was actually I lived in Cleveland at the time. Um and it was the holidays, so they were visiting, and my dad thought he was having a heart attack. And um and he went in and he ended up in surgery at the Cleveland Clinic. So I mean I wasn't worried, wow. but a very renowned cardiologist was like. I've never seen this type of anatomy before. Should have been a sign. Evelyn was a baby. Um, but anyhow, I think him having that issue yeah. and um, having that surgery probably potentially, hopefully saved his life later on um, yeah. so, because now he has stints and that sort of thing. Um, and now I know, oh, I have this. My Let kid me. has this. Um, so now we know we can watch we know the signs i know like i have a plan with information with is my, power yeah i have a plan with my um vascular specialist and and cardiologist that like i know these signs and i know exactly where to go and then i need to get there fast and they need to know my history they need to know not to give me certain things you know what i mean so yeah. um those that is something that you would have on an emergency alert bracelet i have it in my phone my family knows our condition. I have it on my, my partner knows our conditions my yeah. child knows our conditions yeah, yeah. um <sighs> and one of the medical mistreatment things i've experienced was i was having symptoms of dilated aorta and i would i went to the er and they basically said you know it's covid we're full like we would have to admit you to do imaging you know just go follow up with your um, pcp because you're fine now and three weeks later i was diagnosed with severe dilation in my aorta mm. and i'm at a high risk for aortic aneurysm and basically the cardiologist said probably the only reason i haven't had one yet is because i have good cardiovascular health so i don't have plaques yeah um so cardiovascular health is a, is very much a concern for all of us um not everybody has this variant so please don't get scared hearing yeah. us talk about our particular scary things with vascular types um but okay that was a big squirrel yeah, but that was I an important say, squirrel it was important but let's go a little lighthearted. we were we've been talking about famous people why don't we take a little TikTok break to talk about one of my favorite newfound zebras um are you gonna play it yeah, let me pull okay. it up. So her name um, Jamila is... Jamil, and she joined TikTok. And um, I don't know if she just joined, but she came out and um, she showed some of her sexy symptoms symptoms of EDS. And so let's see if we can get it going here. Yeah, I'm gonna try to share it on the screen. Um, she's talked about having EDS before. She, oh, she has. Is... I haven't. I wasn't aware. That's cool. Yeah. So she um, is an, an actress of South Indian descent, which is also interesting for me because... Oh, yeah, you've got that genetic connection. Because I have South Indian Middle Eastern descent. And one of the things they were confused on when they, were, when they did our genetics, they were like, but, like, this is found in these families and they're in, like, the Middle East and stuff. Yeah. And I'm like, hi, it's me. I'm the problem. Yeah. Um, so let me see how to share... We have not done this before. We decided to do this. 
spontaneously. So yeah. here we go. Oh, here we go. It says you're presenting. You I can. Okay. So this is. There's no audio. <laughs> so I think it's not playing the audio. I can't hear anything. And based on the feedback I'm getting, it the recording we're having right now is going to just be me sitting looking at a screen. <laughs> They're getting notification. Aww. I love you. I'm with you. I love you. I'm with you. Go get checked. Are you a little mushy? No. Are you laughing because she's so much like us? No. Did I fuck it up? I don't oh gosh, know. I no, I don't think you did. Because I could see it, there was no audio on my end. And for whatever reason, like, you know how when you're talking, you see the blue dots, like you can see them on mine now? Now yeah. you not see yeah, now. Yeah, the little boop, boop, boop. But see how now when you don't talk, it's three dots? Yeah. So the entire time you were presenting, it was three dots, but on me. And I wasn't saying anything and I couldn't get it to like pick up your, so even I could hear you laughing sometimes or like I heard, but there was no, there was no TikTok audio. So whatever presented and it could be because your phone was on mute maybe is my theory, but what we can do is just drop it in on. Um... Yeah. So basically okay. it's like also, so you couldn't see. And so when I was playing it, you know, on TikTok, like, you know how the like, um, notifications come across, like if somebody yeah. comments. I didn't see that. I started doing this. I was like, yeah. Oh, yeah. So a notification popped up, and it was from Desenia, who was. Oh. Um, she is a follower of both Shelly and mm -hmm. I, and she was on our very first TikTok live, and, and we inspired her to go get evaluated, and she is now diagnosed, and she yep. is one of us now, and is also helpful in. Um, Anyhow, so if it did record, say hi to our guest star comment. Oh, yeah. Um okay, so pause that right there. Yeah. I need to close my blinds because okay. like I don't like it when it's dark. Same. People can see me and I don't know if I they're feel exposed. Yep. Did what? Oh, I just took a pause to close the blinds. But um, do you want to know what it looks like? All right. Do you want to get an idea of what my house looks like right now? The children? Oh yeah. What? Or who is in my house right now? <laughs> Evie, go get me my shoes. Hand me my shoes, my boots. Like, what? Hand me my boots. Just hand me my boots. It's it's very necessary. I'm gonna show you my everyday shoe, and we're not gonna talk about it. Okay. 
this is my everyday shoe. Yeah. Steve Madden's um, great ankle support. They're squishy, comfy. Um, yeah. I could fit more orthotics. Anyhow, so about that. I love that in all what... those teenagers are invading. Yeah. I love that they are safe and happy and supported. Yeah. That's one thing we... Actually, on New Year's Eve, we made arrangements to be a safe adult for one of Carolyn's friends who was... Carolyn didn't go anywhere. She... They're, they're not... We were like, whatever, we're just going to bed. I think she and Rob stayed up to mid... Alec and I went to bed at like 10.30. Anyway, um, but the friend was going to a party, but they weren't sure if it was going to be, I guess they wanted yeah. to know if they were uncomfortable because of drugs or something, if we could pick them up instead of their parents, because they didn't want to have to explain to their parents why they wanted to be picked up. I love that you make a point of how I have those talks with my kids aren't like going to parties or right. in that context yet. Yeah. But, you know, I of course would, but now I always make sure their friends know like yeah I always make sure that like I don't know I think growing up a certain way or other like we we've talked about you're really yeah. sensitive to making sure other kids don't feel that and so I know my kids have a safe place but yeah. I know in the south other kids may not have a safe place and so you know I've asked my kids are there kids like this at your school you know make sure you let them know that we're a safe family if they need yeah. a resource or a safe place or help. Um, and, you know, as your child progresses in life and, you know, they start doing more adventurous, independent things, yeah. there's always that fine line of being, yeah. Being between being supportive and permissive. Right. Yeah. That's maybe not the right words. They apply also, but maybe not exactly. But yes. Yeah. But also, like, one of the things I admire in your parenting is that, you know, your kids obviously respect you and, and like, and they, they like you. Like, I can tell when Carolyn helped out with, um, did the lightning round with us yeah. and stuff. Like, I aspire to have an elder teenager that behaves in that way so good job mom thank you um i i think a big part of our efforts that we talk about align with that approach so yeah thank you for that that is i mean i still feel like i have a closeness with my mom even though i think there's weirdness i don't know if she yeah. thinks there's weirdness we just accept our weirdness. It's not great. But yeah. And so I, I, I just take breaks. I'm grateful for those words because it means something to us. I know. Yeah. Because I made, I made it's intentional. I know. It's I see that. It's yeah. I, the choices we make to give our kids things that we didn't have yeah. so that they can be happier and healthier yeah person yeah anyway um and you yeah. know a lot of that ties right into supporting our neurodivergence right and so yeah. as we've been mentioning um neurodivergence is also a tissue issue likely yeah. um yeah. so what do we got going on there so uh, in neuroscience and neurodivergence news um we'll go through 
the year, there were quite a lot of interesting um, advancements and discussions. Okay. Um, first, the interesting um, area of science with some um, advancements was in uh, neuroscience tissue um, like growth. So things like assembloids and organoids, basically just like brain cells and tissues, okay. we can now put in a culture and grow in a lab to study how they function, how they interact. Um, That's insane. Yeah. Like if I think so, about that for too Alexa, long. Alexa, stop. Alexa, the music started. Okay. Um, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but I knew she was going to start singing. Oh, no, 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 you're fine. I was because just how many hours thing. later are we doing this? I don't, oh my God, it's six o'clock. I'm going to have to edit some of this. <laughs> I don't know what's happening. Anymore. Um, yeah. I had put it's really good to Bieber. I really good to Justin Bieber. It's stop, Evie. Huh? Oh yeah. <laughs> she said just got that out, she says. Um I muted Alexa for five hours. Anyhow. When I said Alexa. <laughs> okay. Um, okay. So <laughs> I'm just trying to be helpful here. Okay. The point was not to have to do a lot of editing, but this is insane. Okay. Autism Research News did a great article actually um, reviewing the developments from 2022 in autism. Okay. So I'll summarize some of the information. I'm adding some other neurodivergent news and um, developments. Okay. But I just wanted to credit um, Autism Research News for the article, um, which I'll link, of course, and the idea for like this whole thought process, this whole episode, really. And, you know, we expanded it to neurodivergence and um, hypermobility. Um, so in November um, is when the, the last kind of big publication on the lab techniques were published to grow brain tissues. Um, that, been, that's where my brain started malfunctioning when I yeah. started really thinking about growing brain tissues and then yeah, observing it's, how it it's interacts. It's cool growth all at the same tissue. time. It's hard to contextualize, right? So I'm going to try to simplify it. So yeah. this is a complex lab technique and it's happening in multiple labs, multiple different types of um, cardiac tissues, brain tissues. Um, and basically what they're doing is they're taking those parts and growing them in a lab culture and then seeing how they interact, how they function. Um, and it's getting us closer to understanding the cellular function within the brain tissue okay. of autism, in, which means we are getting closer to the possibility of useful drug screens um, and mm. um, tissue evaluations, that sort of thing. Um, once we see how certain cell types are affected in okay. spectrum disorder, um, and with you know how certain genetic variants, because now multiple genetic variants are identified with ASD and neurodevelopmental disorders. Um, so a team announced a, a 
words conference medical conference called neuroscience in um, 2022 that they were able to model how two particular brain areas grow and to replicate the two brain areas connecting so not only did they grow this tissue type and tissue type a and b they then were able to replicate how they function together so they had also grown these tissues with a particular deletion known to be associated with autism so they grew these tissues with an autism genetic variant and then watched how they interacted okay it's crazy right, right? but also I, so i understand all of this my mind is already ahead at how people are going to be evil with it bingo i know this is where my mind heads too that's um, i mean immediately and like so I, we I can talk about yeah. the potential eugenics and all that but i'm gonna just table that conversation for a moment oh for sure um so also in november a pre-printed report so not a final publication showed how applying gene editing so using that crispr tool right yeah um with those particular with these it was assembloids um, to reveal which genes linked to autism can help direct development of interneurons. So the idea is we can use gene editing to affect um, development while it's happening in your brain. So autism is marked by inappropriate brain cell development meaning it the it overgrows the glial yeah. cells that are supposed to prune the neuron structure don't do that and that's, or they and do that's it why inappropriately. It's so and that's why it's so connected because there's so right. many that's why it's so enmeshed um and complicated and complex rather than having these focused um right branching um and more directed brain flows oh wait it almost literally mirrors our thoughts right yes yes it does so but the idea is can we gene edit to harness that for um, capitalism sorry yeah. so the whole like cure for autism conversation is where we're headed right um they're also able to grow heart and central nervous tissue in the lab um, well, and use these cool. models to study prenatal human development as well um so you know we're talking about like the ethics of gene editing ableism eugenics yeah all that um and i'm we're going to table the whole like conversation because yep. this will be a very big squirrel conversation let's just yeah you know we I mean, agree the, like, the neuroscience hey, we brought it up this is a concern yeah. for those of us in the community yeah yeah so you want me to just skip ahead to my little bit now yeah yeah all right so in october this is now we're kind of moving on to like neuropsychiatric genetics so in october of 2022 the american society of human genetics conference um there's an unpublished work that was shared the unpublished work that was shared said that um, autistic language with children delays inherit the more common genetic variants than with children with typical language development. Which you had some words out of order, I think. Have we been doing this too long? Probably, if I'm doing that. 
How much okay. do we really have left? Are we do we really have like five pages left? How much? Not really. No, it's like two. Because those are all notes after that. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's I really not a lot. Oh. Shoot. I'm not done yet. I'm not. Okay. Yeah, that's telling you, hey, don't publish this. I didn't finish the. I wasn't going to. Uh, and now I'm lost at where I'm at. Okay. Okay. Well, neuroscience tissue studies. Um, oh, no. Neuropsychiatric genetics. Sorry. October. Yeah, I'm really tired. I see it. I have to pee also. Go I'm pee. really tired. I'm really tired. I get you. I'm going to pee and stand up for a few minutes and have a snack. Okay. This is insane. I don't know what we've done to ourselves. I'm sorry. Yeah. It's okay. So I'll just hold it against you for forever. I'm just okay, kidding. That's fair. Okay. I just don't want to do it when I see you. I know. Wait, do what? This. Oh, we're going to squirrel. Oh, you mean the podcast? Like, literally, do like record this. Oh. Like, I want to be done. Like, I want to do other things. Oh, for sure. I got you. Yeah, we can do that. Take a break. I'm just going to stretch my neck because that's what's annoying me. My shoulders. Okay. So I'm just going to mute this. And then when you see me come back, I'll be. Okay, I'm back. If you're there, I'm here. <laughs> I I posted a stupid TikTok now to the HH account. Oh. No, I'm just trying to use all their stupid features. Oh, it's to bring. I love you too, Abby. Your kids still randomly do that. Do what? Mommy, I love you. No. No. When does that stop? Um, I mean, I don't, I just get it in different ways. Yeah. I get like random memes sent to me or, yeah. And neither of my kids are, I'm not a very huggy autistic. Yeah. And, um, so it's funny how like we're there different are, types of autistics. Huggy, not huggy. Hot, cold. <laughs> yeah. Are your kids at all? I mean, when they were babies and sick, they would snuggle, but like so I no. generally was not. Like I literally like I think I hugged my mom like once. Um, but safe people I was okay with that like me and my sister did but you know trauma yeah i don't yeah i'll hug people like but don't make it too long and awkward i'm not trying to like like I'll see um, but people. now the people that i love i will like long awkward close hugs i want them so bad i want to hug you so bad and squeeze you so you Ooh. know exactly how hard i want to squeeze you and there's like two people that appreciate that three so that's my niece adriana she hugs like my that. dad and i had to because i'm and so Eddie. sensitive with bruising and stuff i'm like 
Yeah. You cannot hug Aunt Shelley like that. And Abby, even like even with her body, like she hurts me sometimes. But wow. Um, um, but I can't yeah. really give strong hugs. Let's be honest. But I do. But like, yeah. But it's weird. Like it's very selective. Like it's a cat. You know. Oh yeah. I'm yeah. I'll yeah, be. That's in why I asked if your kids were like, if you like, that was something that you guys and so evie's like that now too like she used to always be attached constantly now it's very selective and i think also that's the like dysregulation and yeah pain. well yeah. carolyn would do headbutts when she was a baby. one time knocked me out oh that's not good. It was an accident but yeah all right okay. i'm wording in three, two, one, wording now. All right, so neuropsychiatric genetics. In October of 2022, at the American Society of Human Genetics Conference, an unpublished work was shared that autistic children with language delays inherit the more common genetic variants than children with a typical language development. The variants associated with autism appear to work additively, but on different traits, and in some cases, increasing the likelihood of ASD which is autism spectrum disorder, of note, the accumulated effects of common variants can equal that of a rare variant, okay? And then they also were looking into the sex bias that exists. Several studies looked into that and the, a June study from 2022 credits autism sex bias primarily with the diagnostic criteria, methods, and biases, which, yeah. I mean, having just been evaluated myself, well, yeah, yeah. But does does the medical neuropsychiatric community know that? No. Um, no. And you know what? This is actually probably a good time for me to mention this, and I'm going to make a TikTok about it too. But one of the questions that the neuropsych asked us yesterday was if we felt that Carolyn made appropriate eye contact, and how. Like that's still a question. Why are you asking me? Okay. And I was like. I said, well, here's the thing. She's an older brother who was diagnosed autistic when she was two. Her whole life has been in a neurodivergent friendly household. Okay. I don't like to look people in the eyes. So I'm not going to be, unless she was freaking me out by staring at me, I'm not noticing that shit. Okay. Like right. that's so. So but the answer to that still, question is, I don't know. You tell me. Well, right. So then I was like, you probably noticed that this time we're doing this chat, I'm knitting and I'm looking like over here and over there. And then I'll glance at you like I'm supposed to. Oh, but am I looking at you or am I looking right here? Oh, I am not looking in your eyes. I, I realize I don't know people's eye colors. Like, They're really pretty. <laughs> I don't know my best friend's eye colors. I know my children, the people that I can manage to make some safe eye contact with, yeah. not problem. but like my best friends, people I've talked to all the time. Do you know why? Because I'm not. I trick them. They think I'm looking in their eyes. Am yes. I looking in their eyes? No. Did I really trick them? Probably not. That's how I noticed. I, I thought everybody thought, did the eye contact thing weird? Because have you ever watched people on TV shows and they'll like zoom in on the person talking to them and they're doing this? 
like you can see them going back and forth looking this eye that eye this eye that eye i thought that's how you were supposed to look do you know is this just something me hyper pattern noticing do you know what i'm talking about so uh okay no no no, no i do but okay. i also so i because i was investigating there is a particular eye pattern that indicates love and connection and it's a triangular pattern you go from mouth to eye to eye to mouth interesting in a triangle so it is that alternate so i so yes i'm familiar with the pattern i also think actors overdo so it probably consciously overdo it but a lot of them overdo communication type things and a lot of times the what we perceive as eye contact is they're looking at the camera because they're not looking at the person Did you my hot take in the background no hot take it's because they're autistic and they don't know it oh maybe everybody in the in the entertainment not everybody i don't know there's a lot a lot of the drama i would say you know we've made a privately a lot of guesses about what entertainers are and you know i have some pretty strong thoughts about a lot of them i would say a lot of quote creative people and people who fixate on human expression and behavior uh, have reasons yeah that's fair all right we're squirreling yeah squirreled okay so you know we we kind of squirreled earlier and we paused we we said you know there's some problematic ramifications we see potentially happening down the line in these particular research paths right yeah but there's been some in, and there is some interesting research on treatment and management for autism and neurodivergence um such as adhd and other types of things and again, particularly, we're talking about patient doctors, right? Mm-hmm. Um, one a particular news article from November that caught my eye um, is an article profiling Jim Tillett, who's a Virginia Tech doctoral student. And okay. um, he is using his own experiences and therapeutic conversations with autistic people and their loved ones to challenge ableist narratives um researching um marriage and family therapy um so he is also a patient researcher we've mentioned several today with adhd asd autism spectrum disorder um and heads so he is a hypermobile human on adhd just like shelly and i so tillett is a doctoral student um that is studying marriage and family therapy in um, the Virginia Tech's College of Liberal Arts and Human Sciences. And he said he plans to depathologize how autistic individuals participate in their relationships in the context of therapy. Um, and like we've talked about earlier, you yeah. know, what was that study about HEADS patients, about relational issues and interpersonal issues? Gee, I wonder the overlap. So this is a student scientist that is like us. Yep. That is saying, "Hey, what what do we need in our community? And do you know what we need? We need appropriate support for marriage and family." So he is in the realm 
an autistic man, I might add, in the realm of marriage and family therapy. How one bold is that? Yeah. I I don't know if you know this, but PhD programs also require you teach or, you know, contribute like you're working in some way. Yeah. So he's also teaching. And in that article, he talks about managing his disability. And it's like this. Um, I'm have to read that. How ironic is it that I'm even though I'm a Virginia Cavalier and not a Virginia Tech Hokie? That's fine. Yeah, it's it's fine. You can you can. I I I, a, I never bought into that whole idea. I thought it was yeah. weird. Um. So anyhow, I that you know I haven't seen this particular person in the news, but I would say this particular line of study is um, just as important as finding the heads chain or that actually. Maybe inspires me to send an email I've been meaning to send to Prometheus or not, maybe not to Prometheus, but to um, somebody because like the genetic thing on the autism markers, which I have mm-hmm. quite a few, mm-hmm. it comes back as bad and not good. So they have good, bad, because or not label bad. pathogenic because right. Yeah. So that type of language is, and that that's so for us it's hard for us to contextualize and be like what do you mean by that right like so let's recontextualize how we think about autism that's why shelly and i kind of didn't like that uncomfortable research study we were talking about earlier about the gene editing right and like is this going to take us down like you know let's just yeah you know get rid of the autistic people just because you can doesn't mean you should and so I was thinking, yeah. like, I have often thought about, like, how great would it be to have gene editing to fix my janky hip, right? And then I was like, what's the difference? I would love to have gene editing to fix my physical disability, but my neurodevelopmental disorder, I'm attached to. And it's because it's who I am as a person. Yeah, that's why I, like, uh, say I'm an autistic person, not mm-hmm. I'm a person with Yes. Because there's exactly. no correcting it. There's you can't. Yeah, and he actually talked about that labeling conversation in that interview too. So oh, I'll really? link to this um, okay. article with Jim Tillett, um, okay. who is um studying uh these things in the aspect of therapy. Um nice. But so he the the final quote I wanna say is what his what he wants to take out of his education and research he wants to take what he learns and then turn that into ways to educate those involved in autism care ultimately hoping to change how non-autistic individuals attitudes towards their autistic loved ones Mm. affect their relationships that um favorite path of research happening right now in autism yeah because that benefits everybody yeah yeah it's almost like autistic humans have empathy i was just gonna say that so along those lines in october of 2022 we now have we found out we have a better understanding of how ritalin and concerta work thanks to a study done by Stanford. I'm not going to go too into that. You can read that if you want. Um, 
we do know in my family, Concerta does not work. No, nope. same. Um, I never tried it. I think Carolyn was on it for like 10 days and she came downstairs and said, I don't think I'm supposed to be hearing these voices. And I was like, let's um, not take any more of that. No, we're done here. Yeah. Um, Stalisha, which I think is that a company? Is that like a bio? Yeah, it's like a bio company. Yeah. Um, they're based out of Switzerland and they're hoping to define autistic subgroups to design specific treatments for each. And that's interesting. Do they mean subgroups as far as like sensory responses? Because, yeah, so the, the various yeah. subtypes, phenotypes of autism. Okay. And then therapeutics, which is a startup venture in Italy, is betting on a single treatment instead of trying to identify subset population. Um, so it's kind of the other direction. And they're lo hoping to find, like I said, a one treatment that will help the autistic children who would best respond to them. No, I'm blurry, blah, 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 blah. Words, I'm tired. We gotcha. So they did the inverse. They want to find the best treatment to help the most amount of autistic kids. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, um, I mean, that's admirable, but that's not going to work. Yeah. Where are we going with this? Right. Like, yeah. My same, like, my same thoughts. Like um, kind of like the world, the world has already kind of done that. Right. Like let's give everybody this. And obviously that's, yeah. Right. I, you know what? That might be why I had such a hard time reading that. I don't know. Right. That may be. You're like, what? What are you talking about? Yeah, did I, you talk to an autistic human? My no, brain did not. not want to get through that. I was like, what am I reading? It doesn't make sense. All right, let's oh. move on. What do we got next? Okay. So less less silly. Um, in December, a woman by the name of Jane Green in England was awarded an MBE, which is the most excellent order of the British Empire. Anyhow. Um that's in that's, case you don't know what that is, that's for is yes, that it's, a, it's like a, a knight. It's not. Uh, I don't think he's a knight, but she has been acknowledged by the empire and got a fancy award and with a ribbon and yeah. Um, but so she was um, acknowledged for her services and work to neurodivergent hypermobile people in the UK. Her work with the SEDS Connective, which is Symptomatic EDS Connective improves and actively supports the lives of people with symptomatic hypermobility and EDS and hypermobility spectrum disorder and neurodivergence, primarily autism, ADHD, dyspraxia, and Tourette syndrome, yeah. as well as the associated conditions by supporting their families and carers in health, education, social care, employment, and transport accessibility. Um, that, I mean, like, I... Do we have anything like that in the states? I don't. I don't believe we do. Um, no. So I was just really impressed by that. Um, that's an interesting article. If you want to go read about Jane, um, so we kind of touched on, you know, this. There's a lot of careful discussion about approaches we're taking in not only autism and neurodivergence research, but also in how we discuss ourselves so like labels yeah um so there's been ongoing discussion within the medical and patient community um that's really continued um at the end of last year actually end of uh 2021 um the label quote profound autism was defined after being recommended by the committee organized the lancet at the end of the year um 
So the label of profound autism and level distinctions have sparked a conversation that, you know, has obviously held the attention of advocacy groups and research communities throughout the year and will, I'm sure, in fact, continue. Um, and it's an important conversation, and I'm not going to squirrel us and derail us now. Um, yeah, I mean, it's important for is yeah. to give $35,000 to in, yeah. a new, in a new grant to continue that work. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I think it's really important that we do speak for those of us in our community that don't have a voice or an ability to have a voice like maybe we do. Um, right. Even though we struggle too, um, there's some people that can't get past that struggle, right? right. Um, and there's some people that have um, comorbid intellectual disability and, right. you know, there there are, of course, different experiences. There's different genetic variants um, and different levels of support and community and context that people experience growing up, of course. Um, so I'm interested to see how um, how that develops. Me personally, I'm, this is my only thought I'm going to say on it for now because I don't want to squirrel us too far. So I just want us to be mindful that we are a community, not just of autistic humans and hypermobile humans, but we also have a community of parents yeah. and people who are trying to support their loved ones. And the world does not always show us kindness. I would like to remind us that it's really important that we show kindness to each other. Yeah, that, That's my thought on that. Um, so intersectionality and appropriate advocacy have become a really important part of the conversation for autistic people and, you know, the neurodivergent community. Um, and those of us that, that do speak despite our disabilities, um, like Shelly and I, you know, we, we realize that we have a responsibility with it and, um, I'm not going to tolerate like inflammatory conversations and that sort of thing but i think it's important that we should we should discuss how our voices are heard and how we should represent you know the community inclusively um you know how funding is used and those of us that you know the perspective is they're the most affected in certain ways or whatever right. um, you know like what are the efforts to support you know all of us you know, but also the particularly devastating um, disabilities. You know, there's some that are associated with, you know, like we talked about early death and that sort of thing. Yeah. So I think another thing that the big elephant in the room yes. is our voices are important. And I don't think people quite realize how many people are lost to suicide people uh, yeah. people like when me people, people like i me. don't think realize the statistics right and so this this yes and so that is why i i i use my voice yes people look at me and say oh you don't look autistic you don't seem autistic oh i'm so sorry like things like that and it was life-saving information for me yes for us i'm gonna life-saving information and I don't. I wish I'd had it earlier. Yeah, yeah. I I forty four years of not of knowing that I'm different, not knowing how or why, 
but also being told that it's my fault that I'm different. It just, yeah. And so that's, that's why I'm still talking. No, I don't, I, I mean, I think I needed a lot more help than I realized I did now, supports, whatever, what have you. I think if we step back and give everybody, everybody, the space they need and time to reduce the demands on people, you'd be amazed at what they could accomplish, yeah. you know? Like um, the wh whole reason why I even quit working is because all I wanted was instead of working 40 hours was to work either 24 or 32. That's it. I would have- It's reasonable. I didn't even ask them to reduce the amount of work they expected from me. Just the number of hours I had to show my fucking face. Right. And they couldn't even do that. Be perceived in the office yeah. culture or whatever. Yeah. Um, so that that's that is what is not seen. That is what is you want to talk people want to talk about productivity in the workplace and shit. If you yes. I that's, I um, I wasn't gonna bring this up. That's but a squirrel, but that's a squirrel. That's a, this is a squirrel, and I'm yeah. glad you brought it up. You know, there's a lot of things, you know taking out how things like the patriarchy, capitalism, and colonization in general, um, oppression has affected yeah. all of these things, right? It affects healthcare approaches. Yeah. So therefore it affects our quality of life and our the length of our life. Um, you know, the expectation of how we are to serve in a productive way in society um i mean that's how i got some of my stuff some of my concerns listened to is because well i can't do xyz around the house anymore yeah when we when we discussed the social security yeah report, yeah shelly made a point that i never really thought about was you need to commodify your lack to explain how you are not contributing to the yeah. economy and how you could were you accommodated or you right. just are so severely unable to be unaccommodated. And many of us, you know, make these choices because we don't have a choice. I make, I don't have a choice. I have to work full time. Yeah. I, I'm a mom. I have to pay for health care. I can't exist, yeah. you know. And, uh, and imagine if we had been getting supports we needed all along, we wouldn't have to have where I would be in life. Yeah, the choices that I've made. Not, your, not even your choices. I just meant the supports from right from externally the systemic supports mm -hmm. um yeah no um yeah and see right there was pretty ableist because i put it right back on myself right you did and i tried to take it off of you and you wouldn't let me i'll let you um i but i i do it to myself all the time i i was during my chat with the um ladies yesterday while I was over explaining everything, I was also telling myself, oh, they probably don't think I'm really autistic. Right, because we don't look autistic or whatever. It's we so have kids, we have. <sighs> Anyhow, um, thanks, Shell. <laughs> Sorry. Whoa. Um, so I didn't mean to take that there. Let's, let's, let's wrap it up, right? Yeah. Yeah, okay. okay. Um, I found an interesting quote that kind of goes along with this, and that's how I wanted to close out 
um, this episode. Okay, well, um, it's from Courtney Ray. Okay, um, from Array Psychological Assessments. She is a uh, person of color and psychologist, and she said this on the implications on the lack of diversity among among neuropsychologists. Quote, if you don't have an understanding of culture, you might wind up assessing and evaluating and diagnosing people in ways that aren't necessarily accurate. That's poignant. Um, and it, you know, so that's why we do need to understand the mechanisms and the hows and the whys is that so we can better um, assess, diagnose, and support. Um, I think Shelly and I have kind of made our opinions I, you know, that may be a little inflammatory known that I think some of the research is going down a path that's not supportive to us. Um, maybe, yeah. maybe we start listening to um, diverse voices um, in the medical, mental health, neuropsych w- worlds to better understand what the needs are of our communities um, of yeah. disabled people. Well, that's just it. Like they're looking at the connections and they can edit, but like, have they talked to someone whose brain has those connections to see if that's the connection they need to fix? Right. Like, exactly. Um, yeah. So there's a lot going on and we are so excited that we've been able to help contribute to the contacts in the community to help build our understanding of each other and the medical research and care and everything that goes into existing as a zebra and so thank you so much for listening to hacking hypermobility and we hope you will engage with us because actually our social media has hit our target exceeded our target so i guess our next target now is 10k right so we get that yeah right we hit 1k so let's go for 10 yeah um so if you're listening just take a minute and engage with us on social media preferably TikTok is where we have the biggest thing that's where we're most active right now and help us out with that and um, um what did you want to add Luna, to that yeah like so if, even if you're not comfortable like making your own content like you know we, we struggle to do but we do um you know within your own community speaking out that sort of thing if you're not comfortable with those like kind of outward um things you know that's okay we understand um so we we suggest maybe you help share awareness at another level we have another way you can help fellow zebras um would you take a minute today if you listened give us some feedback click follow add a comment some stars or ratings whatever it is on the yeah. platform where you listen yeah, we've Just got leave six, us a review. We have six reviews now on okay. itunes but only two have any type of narrative the rest is just like okay they're just like ratings it's gotcha. probably just like when my husband like went to all of his various accounts and gave five stars that's really probably what it is except for the two people who wrote something oh, Alec. <laughs> i don't know um and also if any of these topics that we've discussed today because we brought up so many i know things i feel like um, i've been talking to you for five years probably um it feels like that we're gonna take a break um, yeah, from talking for the rest of the day. Um, but if these if these things that we talked about today spark something in you and you have ideas or questions and maybe you want to hear like a deeper conversation on a particular topic, um, just send us a message at yeah, our email. email, guys. Tell yeah, what it's, our email is. Um, info, I-N-F-O, at hackinghypermobility.com. 
Or you can tag us on the socials. Yeah. We're oh, on TikTok sorry, at Hacking Hypermobility. I didn't yeah. mean to say guys. That's not, I mean, human people. Yeah. Humans. Um, yeah. So, like, you know, we're working on our um, second season, Super Secret Squirrel Stuff. Mm -hmm. um, but we also, you know, would appreciate your feedback. Yeah. Where, where do you want the conversation to go? What's important to y'all? Yeah. Um, let us know. Yep. So thanks again for listening and wishing you and 2023 to be full of happiness and healthy hypermobility. Have a great day, zebras. Bye. This is the end <laughs> of the podcast. Not everything.